Tank Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Out Live, we'll be featuring Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer. You'll also hear from the iTunes guy himself, the one, the only Kirk McElhern, who writes for Macworld and also McElhern.com, which he also calls Kirkville. We have all this and more on the Tech Night Out Live. So we have Brian Chaffin back after a few weeks with lots of new stuff to talk about. And one of them is the fact that it appears that Jonathan Ive now has a new job or at least a new title at Apple. What does this mean? Well, Johnny Ive, uh, Sir Johnny Ive even, is now the chief design officer at Apple, which it's interesting. He's only the third C-suite member on Apple's executive team. Got Tim Cook, chief executive officer, i.e. CEO, and uh, Lucas, uh, I always forget how to pronounce his last name, but the new uh, chief financial officer. And now we have um, a chief design officer, Apple's first. Okay, so we have a name. What does that name mean in the real world? Well, in the real world, what it means is that Apple is getting bigger and bigger, and Johnny Ives' responsibilities have increased by orders of magnitude. You know, he, he was Apple's top industrial designer for many years, for many, 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 many years. And he led the team that brought us the iPhone and the iPad and the, you know, the, all the various incarnations of the iMac, uh, the Mac Pro, you, you name it. Johnny Ives' team designed it. In, was it 2012, uh, he took over the user interface uh, responsibilities as well with uh, uh, iOS and then eventually uh, OS 10 as well. Yes. A- and he's, um, uh, that's just a lot of stuff to do. Now, he's always had people that worked for him, and that includes the two people who were promoted to vice president of uh, industrial design and then vice president of user interface. These people have been with him all this time, and these people have been his lieutenants in that area, but now they're getting vice presidential titles. And according to the story, which was actually broken to us through a, a, a wonderful uh, article by Stephen Fry, comedian Stephen Fry, for the tele, uh, Telegraph, the UK newspaper, this was done in part so that Johnny Ive would have fewer managerial responsibilities, that, you know, that, that tedium of actually making sure everything gets done. And that's what these two guys are going to be uh, uh, doing for him, leaving him more time to design, more time to travel, he said. And uh, including starting to get more involved with the design of Apple stores and uh, maybe even spending a little more time in England where he's where he's from. As a matter of fact, a lot of people seem to make a big deal about this, saying that this was Johnny stepping, you know, like this was his first step to leaving Apple. And I don't think that's how this works. You don't promote people to be the uh, chief. You don't promote people to the C-suite in a major corporation so that they can leave. Well, I think the implication made in one particular article is that you're giving him a title that doesn't have as much administrative authority, and then you create the climate of these other executives holding more and more public prominence in the things they do, and you reduce his prominence. And then eventually he could begin to step aside a little bit and you don't notice it because you say, oh, he's going to travel to UK for at times. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. He's going to do something that just involves 
sitting there and designing. And therefore, he doesn't have to be in the office to do that. Yeah, I read the same accounts, too. I just I disagree. I just disagree entirely. I think that Apple runs, even with these changes, which don't take place officially until July 1st, uh, the beginning of the next fiscal quarter, even with those changes, Apple's executive team is leaner than companies a fraction of its size, a small fraction of its size at that. I mean, th- these are these are needed responsibilities, whether or not Apple is going to leave or I'm sorry, whether or not Johnny Ive is going to leave Apple or whether or not he plans to to stay at Apple. This is the kind of stuff that needs to happen because Apple is just so big. You know, I mean, this car project that uh, Johnny Ive and, and, and Mark Newsom are working on, I mean, that's that's a big deal. Johnny is designing furniture for uh, for the spaceship campus. He's designing the desks and chairs that, that uh, Apple employees will, will be using at the new campus that they're building. He designed the furniture that's at Mac Cafe. The man is a busy man. These changes needed to happen. And I, I, I kind of understand the knee-jerk reaction that this is his way of leaving the company. But I have to fall back into corporate observations. You don't promote someone to the C-suite so that they can leave. Because... Listen, Johnny Ive, VP of Industrial Design or Design, whatever he was, what is was actually of design, that leaving is less of a big deal than Apple's chief design officer leaving. So why would Apple make itself ahead? And he's no, this is not his way of stepping out the door. It might it's his way of of um, rejiggering uh, uh, the things that he has to do, but I don't think it's it's his way of leaving. But it sounds good to write that up. Yeah, I guess. I mean, as part of what people were turning to was the the 2011 story, talking about um, how Johnny Ive wanted to go back home. He wanted his kids raised in England. He wanted his kids to go to English schools. You know, honestly, at that point, I think that that issue was settled. He decided to stay. He's at the very least, he is going to stay to see the spaceship built, and he's going to stay and see the car. Uh, designed and brought to market. I mean, that that's the earliest, I think, that Johnny Ive would leave. But the other key is here that if it related to his kids in school, well, it's four years later. That ship has sailed. Exactly. That ship has sailed. They're, they're actually, as I understand it, uh, I'm, I'm not positive about this, but I believe that his kids... No, I don't, I don't, I don't know enough to be sure. I shouldn't, I shouldn't say anything, but I don't know where his kids are going to school now, but I believe that you're right. That, that sh- particular ship has sailed. Okay, but still, as I said, if you're going to make two other executives stars in their own right, which also goes to demonstrate that you don't have Jonathan Ive doing all the work. I mean, that's another big issue right there. The impression was when Steve Jobs was here, he was doing everything. Now he's not, so therefore Jonathan Ive taking on all these responsibilities is doing everything, and you forget there's a team of people that he's been with for a number of years and they also hold loads and loads of patents on different products and features. Yeah, the, the loss of Johnny Ive would be a blow to Apple, and that is probably understating it by orders of magnitude. Johnny Ive is one of these once-in-a-lifetime people. It's not that Johnny Ive isn't, isn't important, because he is. It's that uh, there are, in fact, lots of other people that help him that do design work. As a matter of fact, you know, these people have always been there. As a matter of fact, the design team has remained remarkably intact for people that probably work just the most insane hours you can imagine. 
more of them are getting some of the spotlight. But at the same time, there are other executives who have been getting more spotlight too. Other executives have been doing interviews. Other executives have been credited with the kinds of things that once upon a time we never heard about. Like Jeff Williams, uh, who is uh, Apple's operations guy, the person who took over the main operations responsibilities when Tim Cook was reported to see, promoted to CEO, he was recently revealed to have uh, taken lead on uh, getting the Apple Watch to market. And these are the kinds of things we used to never, ever learn. Lots of executives are being given the spotlight these days. Tim Cook has said that he's doing it on purpose. So, again, I, 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 I just don't think it makes any sense to make too much of these two folks who were promoted to uh, these uh, VP positions. Just to bring this to mind, some years ago, Steve Jobs was interviewed by Time magazine. And one of the executives mentioned there was a guy named Jeffrey. Now, he wouldn't give the guy's last name, but everybody knew this was Jeffrey Robin, who's a vice president with Apple now, and he's the lead on iTunes. And somebody people who have followed Max for years know very well. So that was Steve Jobs. Tim Cook allows other people to shine a lot more. Shining a light on Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer. You like that, huh? Sure. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Hi, John Hubner from Midas Resources. Are you tired of watching your hard-earned assets dwindle away? As government spending is out of hand and the Federal Reserve is creating in excess of $20 billion a week, are you tired of stockbrokers gambling away your hard-earned money? Is this market a setup for a crash greater than 1987? Too many of today's policies resemble those that led to the collapse of 1929. This is John Hubner, and that was me in 2007. And we all know what happened when the subprime credit bubble burst. By March 2009, the dollar lost 50% of its value. The entire U.S. banking system was on the verge of collapsing. Like all financial problems of the past, is history about to repeat itself? Call me, John Hubner, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 129, before it's too late to protect yourself. Will the oncoming catastrophe take all private IRAs, 401ks with it? There is a way to protect your hard-earned assets. Call me, John Hubner, at one 800 686 2237 extension 129. Are you suffering from EP? The symptoms include fraudulent charges to your credit card. Your subway card says it's empty, but you bought it yesterday. Someone's been in your hotel room, but the desk clerk says they only show you entering the room. These are signs of EP. Electronic pickpocketing, payment cards, transit cards, even hotel room keys. Use a radio chip so you can just wave your card at the register, the turnstile, or your hotel room door. But what's convenient for you is also convenient for thieves, waving scanners to electronically pickpocket you without even touching you. The good news is there's a cure. ID Stronghold has created leather wallets and clutches that have built-in EP protection, layers of shielding material, cleverly concealed in a beautiful leather wallet that stops the symptoms of EP. Go to IDStronghold.com now and get the cure. IDStronghold.com. Warning, ID Stronghold wallets could lead to feelings of safety and security, comfort in crowds, and euphoria. If you experience these emotions, immediately inform your friends and family about IDStronghold.com so they can feel better too. 
If you constantly feel run down and tired, your pH level might be low and your body could be full of toxins. If what you drink is not at a pH level of 8 or higher, you are inviting bacteria and acid to thrive in your body. But there is something you can do. Simply add 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH drops to your water to help your body rid itself of acidic waste, increase oxygen, and raise your pH balance to optimum levels. AlkaVision Plasma pH drops combine a unique formula of the most alkaline minerals in the world. Alkalizing the water you you drink, ridding your body of acidic waste and toxins, and helping you regain energy and vibrant health. And studies show viruses, bacteria, and toxins cannot survive in an alkaline, high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH drops at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com today. Yuvia needed financing to grow her restaurant business, but her bank simply didn't understand. I was frustrated. Yuvia found on-deck business loans. On-deck did it for me. I called on Saturday, and I had $50,000 in my account on Monday morning. How about the terms? Incredibly easy. It doesn't mess with your cash flow. On-deck changed everything. This company, on-deck, is going to be there for me. Was it a good move? I'm looking to increase sales probably 30%. Been in business for at least a year year with 100,000 plus in revenue, On Deck can get you 5,000 to $250,000 in as little as one business day. And they're A plus rated with the Better Business Bureau. On Deck has opened up so many doors for me now. Truly, truly, the sky is the limit. I, I'm excited. Apply now at ondecklending.com or call 800-326-5430. 800-326-5430. Loan subject to lender approval. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Owl Live with Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer. A reminder, we've got a special feature of the show called Tech Night Owl Plus at plus.technightowl.com, plus.technightowl.com. The big thing we offer is the ad-free version of the show. We take out 41 minutes of network ads. We improve the audio quality. It's just five a month, $50 a year, $175 for five years, plus.technightowl.com, plus.technightowl.com. Com. Brian, let's go past Jonathan Ive and the new things he's doing, and let's go to Apple TV and all the speculation. Now, one thing that I'm not sure about here is the way the issue of 4K TV is being handled. Now, as most of you know, 4K or Ultra HD means four times the number of pixels on your TV set. New TV sets are coming online cheaper you can get a 4k set for as little as a 500 dollars or so big screen tvs for less than a thousand and in theory you get a better quality picture primarily if you have a large screen tv and you're not too far away so we expect another apple tv that's going to be coming out possibly introduced at the wwdc possibly with a developer's sdk for third-party apps games i don't know whatever it is some people are saying apple won't turn on 4K at the start, we'll do it later. 
Where's the logic in that? Uh, you know, um, turn on 4K for, for what? For app delivery? For cable channel services to be integrated? I mean, there's a lot of different ways that Apple could be doing 4K, and we don't really know a whole lot yet. If the issue is delivering 4K content, it is conceivable that Apple would want to include that capability in the devices that it's shipping now to turn on later because it doesn't have all the content in place. So that would be one reason to do it. If yes, the but there is Netflix and Amazon Instant Video, both of which, and we assume Amazon may not be with an Apple TV, but Netflix will. But these services do offer a small amount of 4K content. Well, and that actually could be part of the issue if the small amount. I, you know, I don't, I, I don't have enough color on this particular rumor to, to know whether or not there's a fire behind the smoke. The big thing that Apple has been struggling with the, for the whole... So we, there's... <laughs> I've got to back up. There's a couple of elements to the Apple TV story. One is the news that I believe was a controlled leak to the Wall Street Journal uh, where... Apple reportedly shelved its plans for a physical TV, a, phys- a physical television set, more than a year ago. And this was in part kind of a snub to Carl Icahn, who, in- who insisted to all the world that Apple was going to dominate the TV market starting next year. Also, Gene Munster of Piper Jaffray, the industry analyst, has been saying that for years. But it turns out that Gene Munster was right, that Apple was working on a TV. He's been saying that Apple was working on a TV. And he did admittedly say that Apple was, you know, he repeatedly said that Apple was going to release that TV in a certain time frame and was wrong. But the point is that Apple was actually working on the TV. We, we know this now for sure. The difference between Gene Munster and Carl Icahn is that Carl Icahn doesn't know anything about what Apple's doing. He doesn't have connections in Apple's supply chain. And he just knows what Carl Icahn knows. And Carl Icahn has, has a long history of knowing enough to make himself lots of money. In this particular case with Apple, he doesn't know. And Apple wanted to, I think, kill this rumor once and for all and get this story off the pages. They're not going to be doing a television set. So the story you're talking about here in the Wall Street Journal was 100% fed by Apple. I believe so, yes. It was a controlled leak. They may have had additional sources. get that story off the table. Yes. And to remind the world that Carl Icahn doesn't know what Apple's going to do. Definitely a, a dual dual objectives in, in uh, leaking that story. Well, Carl Icahn wants to tell people what to do with their companies. It's true. Carl Icahn's kind of funny. I mean, you know, the man has clearly made a lot of money for himself and other shareholders. He, every time he talks about Apple, he pours forth this massive amount of compliments about what a great job Apple's management team is doing, and then this is what they should do differently. <laughs> it's like, dude... He, Basically talks from both sides of his mouth. Yeah, there's a disconnect between the, those two thoughts at the very least. That's Carl Icahn. Yeah, so you've got content, because the, the other bugaboo for Apple in the TV business, there's, there's two aspects. There's delivering a TV set um, that Apple, yeah, Apple thought that the television set industry was ripe for disruption. And it is, but apparently Apple's not going to be the company to do it. And then there's the TV content side of the business, where... You know, programs reach your TV, be it through the internet, be it through a cable service, be it through satellite. We know that Apple has had has been stymied time and time again by the networks and the studios who who are are scared to death of of letting Apple finally make customers um, uh, happy, of letting Apple finally make customers. Yeah, I said that right. Finally, having customers be happy because they're getting a good experience. 
They don't want Apple to, to, to take over that customer relationship, which is what would happen if Apple became uh, the service deliverer, service provider. And it remains to be seen if Apple has actually broken down any of those walls. But I believe that's going to be the centerpiece of any kind of Apple TV uh, announcement we see at WWDC. All right, Apple TV. Now, one possibility here that might come to the fore if Apple does introduce their subscription TV, and that's a lock because the CEO of CBS said they're working on it. You know, he revealed the truth. So in that particular case there, we do have the revelation that Apple's working on it. Maybe introduce that as the first 4K service. Yeah, that's certainly possible. I mean, not like Netflix where you have four movies or 4K, and maybe not the ones that you care about. We mean it's all 4K all the time, except for broadcast TV, because you'd have to have a lot of conversion underway there. Yeah, Gene, I, I just don't think we're there. I don't think we're there on the content side, and I don't think we're there on the, on the bandwidth side. Well, as a hardware basis, though, I don't see a reason why Apple would not include 4K. The chips are capable of it. Well, yeah, but the, the hardware is not the issue. The issue is the content and the bandwidth. Right. And in terms of bandwidth, well, a lot of people don't even have full, real broadband internet. The new definition being 25 megabits. And I ask you listeners, especially those of you who live in the U.S., do you really have 25 megabits or better downloads right now? Really? How many? Yeah, broadband in the U.S. It lags behind most of the developed world. I mean, our... our our providers are have you know dragged their feet and giving us great broadband, and part of that's a density issue. You know, it's a, it is more expensive to to do that per customer than it is in in uh, more densely populated areas, say Japan, for instance, which is uh, has a very very high density. Um, I, um, but that is the state of the industry. I don't, I don't, uh, I just, I don't, I don't think that. The, I don't think that there's the infrastructure to support yet a all 4K, all-the-time service. I don't think the content's ready, and I don't think the bandwidth is there. Well, at least offered as an option. That's another possibility we can sure. get into. We have Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Free from the shackles of corporate America, we're the place for independent thinkers. G-C-N. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document? Worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average over 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE. 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. 
Yuvia needed financing to grow her restaurant business, but her bank simply didn't understand. I was frustrated. Yuvia found on-deck business loans. On-deck did it for me. I called on Saturday, and I had $50,000 in my account on Monday morning. How about the terms? Incredibly easy. It doesn't mess with your cash flow. On-deck changed everything. This company, on-deck, is going to be there for me. Was it a good move? I'm looking to increase sales probably 30%. Been in business for at least a year with 100000 plus in revenue? On Deck can get you 5000 to $250,000 in as little as one business day. And they're A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau. On Deck has opened up so many doors for me now. Truly, truly, the sky is the limit. I, I'm excited. Apply now at ondecklending.com or call 800-326-5430. 800-326-5430. Loan subject to lender approval. There's a a man named Dr. Joel Wallach, who is anything but your typical doctor, both a veterinarian and naturopathic physician. Doc asks, why does the United States spend more money on health care by far and still rank 50th in health and longevity worldwide? He believes that people should empower themselves with a basic understanding of nutrition, take charge of their health, and attain optimal health and longevity through nutrition, not by toxic prescription drugs that lead to side effects and more toxic prescription drugs. Doc Wallach's message is resonating with an increasing number of Americans who are waking up to all the big government, big pharma, and big insurance manipulation of our health care system. I'm George Norrie, and I like what Doc Wallach is saying and doing to enlighten people about health care. Visit brightsideben.com and listen to Doc Wallach's Deadly Recipes lecture. It makes a lot of sense, and I urge you to join the Brightside Ben team. Go to brightsideben.com. That's brightsideben.com. Are you suffering from EP? The symptoms include fraudulent charges to your credit card. Your subway card says it's empty, but you bought it yesterday. Someone's been in your hotel room, but the desk clerk says they only show you entering the room. These are signs of EP. Electronic pickpocketing. Payment cards, transit cards, even hotel room keys. Use a radio chip so you can just wave your card at the register, the turnstile, or your hotel room door. But what's convenient for you is also convenient for thieves. Waving scanners to electronically pickpocket you without even touching you. The good news is there's a cure. ID Stronghold has created leather wallets and clutches that have built-in EP protection. Layers of shielding material cleverly concealed in a beautiful leather wallet that stops the symptoms of EP. Go to IDStronghold.com now and get the cure. IDStronghold.com. Warning, ID Stronghold wallets could lead to feelings of safety and security, comfort in crowds, and euphoria. If you experience these emotions, immediately inform your friends and family about IDStronghold.com so they can feel better too. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. So the big question on the table, 4K TV, Ultra HD, is Apple going to do it on the next Apple TV? Well, their new TV service offer it, at least optionally for those who have the bandwidth to pick it up. And we've talked about bandwidth caps and one of the bugaboos in getting a lot of streaming content. And I'll go into that in just a moment because of something that just happened recently. But let's get back to 4K. My feeling is if the hardware is capable, Apple will do it. There's no reason not to at this point. Apple has 5K computers, support for 4K and a number of their models now. 
So I see no reason not to do it because someone else will go there and do it. Roku will do it or Amazon will do it. Somebody else will do it. Apple might as well be there early in the technology, assuming all the standards are in place. And I think at this point, everything is pretty much in place. It's just a matter of content. There's another issue with 4K too, and that is not just the cheap TV sets, but there is now something called Ultra HD Blu-ray. What is that? That is the 4K Blu-ray standard, and there will be 4K Blu-ray players and some content coming this winter, which means that would be one way to really jumpstart sales of 4K sets. It's true, but I mean, if anything, Apple will be in direct competition with the 4K Blu-ray by trying to deliver content through the internet as opposed to on discs. Uh, you know, I mean, 4K stuff is is happening unless it ends up being supplanted by 8K before it can even get a foothold. I mean, you know, these at this point, these technologies are are progressing so fast that things don't even have much of an opportunity to become available everywhere before before the next big thing is uh, right around the corner. Uh, considering the fact that Apple supported only 720p through Apple TV until until recently, I don't know. I, I just I, I don't think Apple's going to be in the forefront uh, in, in the forefront of uh, of of 4K. I, I don't think that's going to be the cornerstone of what they're doing. The yes, but it may also have been a factor that the chips weren't available. But we know now that the AA chip in current iPhones can support 4K. Yeah. So at the point in time before 2012, when 1080p was added, those chips weren't necessarily capable of better than 720p. Things have oh, changed then, very, the, very fast. The 10, 1080 was was already the standard when, when Apple was still supporting 720. Yes, but we're talking about mobile chips, not a full-size TV set. We're talking about the chips they were using for iPhones. Yeah, okay. Are we talking about the Apple TV still? We're talking about Apple TV, but remember that the A5 chip is the one that's in there now. It supports 1080p. The A8 chips that are currently in iPhones support 4K. That's been yep. widely reported. So I don't know. We can argue back and forth all day long. When the product comes out, we'll know. Now, the one thing I think we've got to see in Apple TV is a revised interface to handle all the extra channels much more efficiently. Right. And that's the thing that Steve Jobs uh, teased to his biographer, Walter Isaacson. When he said that he had, quote unquote, finally cracked um, uh, how to do an Internet connected TV that, that, you know, that's that's been the the biggest, you know, nail that the Apple TV uh, rumor has been hanging on since the Steve Jobs biography came out in 2011. So I'm glad you actually mentioned that, because I, I think that's going to be the cornerstone of any kind of expanded Apple TV service that Apple does introduce. It's going to be about the experience and the interface rather than necessarily something like 4K, all 4K all the time. Even if it's partly 4K all the time, it's still what else does it do that impacts the customer? And I see this even just watching Netflix on my Apple TV. I wanted to see Daredevil, and then the other day we had nothing to watch on regular TV, so we look for some movies to watch on Netflix. And you have to go through multiple menus to get there. And you want to go back and forth between renting a movie, going to Netflix, and maybe Hulu Plus has something. It's time-consuming. 
especially with that real simple remote, which is nice to have so few buttons. But in order to do that, you've got to go through extensive navigational routines. It's always going to be up and down the interface, select, go back, start, stop. It gets to be a little annoying after a while. Yeah, and I don't know what it is that Steve Jobs thinks that he came up with, but usually when he thought he had something, he usually did. Um, I I hope that it comes to market because I agree with you. I think that all of the existing TV services, T- TiVo is hands down the best for me in terms of an interface, but all of the other uh, TV set-top interfaces have always been awful, and I hope that Apple can change that. Well, the issue here, I think is not just to make it easier to deal with the content on one service, but to realize that nowadays you don't have just satellite or cable. You have multiple services, possibly from multiple devices, and you want them to all play nicely together. It's not just, well, now I have my Blu-ray in my gaming console. It's not just that. It is one box that has lots and lots of services. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll see what happens. WWDC, do you think Apple will have the revelation there, or is this going to be a fall thing? Because Apple TV would seem like a fall product. We've heard two different uh, versions of the Apple TV rumor. One is that Apple does plan to introduce it at uh, WWDC for a rollout later in the summer. And then the other uh, rumor was that it would be introduced later in the fall because Apple is still trying to hammer out some uh, content deals. And it's quite possible that even apple doesn't yet know this could uh, this decision could go right up to the very last second i suppose it could be the hardware comes out ahead of the software although it seems to me that apple would get a bigger splash to have it all come in one yeah. fell swoop i agree with that all right let's move on to other topics the antitrust lawsuit involving ebook price fixing mm-hmm. when apple lost they set there a compliance monitor to watch over Apple. Now, before we go into that, let me tell you the image I had of this guy. It has nothing to do with what he really is because I never heard him talk. I just see a picture of him. On the TV show, The Good Wife, you had the legal firm that was a main character in the show. And that firm had gone bankrupt. So the court appointed an accountant to manage their recovery to profitability. He was played by Nathan Lane. And I was thinking he was always nosy and he was always hanging around every decision, second-guessing everything they did. And as soon as they mentioned the compliance monitor appointed by the court, I thought, ah, they're sending over a Nathan Lane over there. Yeah, fair enough. And it does, in fact, seem like he's been doing that. It's it's interesting. I mean, there's been a lot of unprecedented um, actions by the court, by ju- the court of Judge Denise Cote, C-O-T-E, Cote. There have been a lot of unprecedented actions from uh, from her on this. Uh, the po- appointing a monitor is a little bit unprecedented because it, most monitors, it's not unprecedented, but most monitors uh, are put into place by uh, a voluntary consent uh, agreement. Uh, or you know some kind of settlement in, in this particular case it was imposed by the court but he's he's essentially been acting as a prosecutorial uh, force within Apple and the courts are not supposed to prosecute it's the 
it's the state that prosecutes and it's the courts that that uh, that 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 moderate and he's been also reportedly according to apple prying into all manner of things that have nothing to do with iBooks, nothing to do with any kind of content agreements. It has to do with stuff like apparently Siri and um, uh, iPhone-related things. All these, all these matters that that really sh- are not covered by what the courts normally do, what a monitor should be doing. We have Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Independent-minded, the Genesis Communications Network, GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com it's time to build your own emergency food stockpile with the industry leader, My Patriot Supply. Once you try them, you'll know why so many Americans like you have made them part of their emergency preparedness plan. Experience the My Patriot Supply difference today with this unbelievable offer. Right now, a four-week food supply is only $99, and that includes free shipping. That's 50% off the online price. Call 800-274-3070 to claim yours. Limit two per caller while supplies last. This offer isn't available online, so you want to make sure and grab this opportunity to get prepared today. 800-274-3070 to get your four-week food supply for the incredible price of only $99, and it'll be shipped to you completely free. Call 800-274-3070 right now. That's 800-274-3070 to claim yours while supplies last. Don't wait. Call today. Ouch! My back is out again. Hi, Dr. Ortman with Wellspring Spinal Care. If you're experiencing neck, mid, or lower back pain, this information is for you. One of the complaints that I hear is patients receive their typical adjustment, only having to repeat them as the pain returns. Putting the bones back in place is only half of the battle. At Wellspring Spinal Care, we have the entire solution. We use the NUCA approach, utilizing three-dimensional x-rays and gentle touch technology to deliver specific correction. We then design 
design a custom nutritional supplement program which provides essential nutrients targeting the areas of concern. With a NUCA approach and proper nutrition, you'll be on your way to a faster and more permanent recovery. To get you on the road to wellness, visit DrOrtman.com. That's DrOrtman.com. Or call us today, 952-303-9124. That's 952-303-9124. Wellspring Spinal Care, chiropractic done right. Yuvia needed financing to grow her restaurant business, but her bank simply didn't understand. I was frustrated. Yuvia found on-deck business loans. On-deck did it for me. I called on Saturday, and I had $50,000 in my account on Monday morning. How about the terms? Incredibly easy. It doesn't mess with your cash flow. On-deck changed everything. This company, on-deck, is going to be there for me. Was it a good move? I'm looking to increase sales probably 30%. Been in business for at least a year? Year with 100000 plus in revenue, On Deck can get you 5000 to $250,000 in as little as one business day. And they're A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau. On Deck has opened up so many doors for me now. Truly, truly, the sky is the limit. I, I'm excited. Apply now at ondecklending.com or call 800-326-5430. 800-326-5430. Loan subject to lender approval. know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. So we have the court compliance monitor nosing around Apple, doing stuff he's not supposed to do. According to Apple. Yes. Um, and the courts, the, the, the Second Circuit is hearing Apple's appeal. And this is a multi, multi-pronged appeal. Apple is appealing its conviction as an antitrust violator. Apple has appealed having, uh, uh, having a court-appointed monitor at all. Apple has asked that, that Mr. Bromwich be replaced. And so far, the courts have sometimes sided with Apple, seeming to indicate that, that, that they may uh, uh, um, favor Apple when they release their, their final ruling. And sometimes they haven't. And on Thursday, uh, we had the news that the, the Second Circuit had rejected Apple's bid to have Mr. Bromwich removed um, and, re- and replaced. And this is one of those times when the courts apparently don't necessarily agree with Apple, but they were critical of both Apple and Michael Bromwich, the monitor. Uh, Mr. Bromwich, they accused of... Uh, acting in a way that was, uh, I think the quote was something the exact opposite of what a of what a court appointed monitor should do, and they also accused Apple of essentially letting the relationship deteriorate and fester, and both of those words were used in in their the ruling, um, rather than using the mediation process that was put into place by Judge Denise Cote. Well, I don't know. I see a picture of the guy. And he looks like someone who's really stern. He looks a bit like a judge, don't you think? Uh, yeah, he, he's got a... He's, he's got a... Listen, Michael Bromwich is very, very competent. He has a lot of experience in the, uh, uh, in, in the legal world. He has a lot of um, 
experiment experience dealing with uh, 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 monitoring. I mean, he, he's a very talented and capable individual. Uh, it's but he, um, I I don't know. I, I I've never understood why Apple was convicted. And I, I, I we've talked about that on in prior uh, prior shows, Gene. Um, I don't think that um, I don't think that he's I don't think he should be there at Apple. I would think at least, if nothing else works, that you appoint somebody else. Say, all right, this isn't working. Let's try somebody else and see how they fare. Well, okay. Well, let me play devil's advocate. Uh, The court-appointed monitor has a job to do. If the company is not cooperating, which is what he has accused Apple of doing, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean the court-appointed monitor is, is at fault. I mean, we know that Apple utterly resents its conviction and believes that they that that they did nothing wrong, that they did nothing illegal, that there was no collusion, that their conviction is essentially a travesty of justice. So, to that extent, we know that Apple has also refused to grant some interviews that Mr. Bromwich has requested. Now, from Mr. Bromwich's viewpoint, he's entitled to ask for those interviews. From Apple's viewpoint, he's not, which is why they haven't granted them, and. So that doesn't necessarily mean that he's in the wrong. He just, in this case, I think he probably is. Probably needs to have a few reins put on him. Right. But then the person with all that experience, why would he be pursuing areas that are clearly not related to ebooks? Well, Judge Denise, you know, it's it's really hard. It, Judge Denise Coat is another very, very competent and experienced. Um, person and um, she, 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 I mean, she has a, she has an excellent track record as a judge, but with Apple, she really seems to have convicted the company before she ever heard any evidence. And she has kind of seemed like she had it out for the company. Even, I, I don't know that that's fair to say, to be honest, but that is sometimes how it seemed. So I'm guessing that Michael Bromwich is acting in accordance to her instructions. As a matter of fact, that's one of the things that Apple's complained about. Apple's complained about the fact that uh, Mr. Bromwich has, has often had meetings with judge Coat where Apple wasn't present. And that's another thing that's not really supposed to, to happen with a court appointed monitors. So, I mean, I guess my point, Gene, is that he obviously feels like that he's doing the right thing and that he's pursuing his job and that that it's going to be for the betterment of Apple and consumers alike. just doesn't mean that he's right. So how do you think it's going to turn out at the end? Does Apple have any chance to have this thing overturned? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think Apple has, at um, the very least, uh, perhaps scaled back. But I do think that Apple has, has a good shot at, at, at having its having this antitrust conviction overturned. Um, and and my, I'm not a lawyer. I've never even played one on TV. But my close study of this case, to me, is that Apple was the wrong company being sued for antitrust violations and that Apple didn't do anything illegal. Basically, the problem was all Amazon. They had a dominant position in the industry if you're going to attack a company's policies go after the company that's benefiting yes i agree with that but what do i know there's an interesting article that you pose about these security questions i assume those are the questions that you're asked 
when you set up an account, you go ahead and you choose certain questions and responses to identify yourself as being the proper party. Am I correct? Correct. Challenge questions, security questions, they get called various things here and there. What's the name of your pet? What's the name of your first car? What was your mother's maiden name? Where were your parents married? Where were you married? What was the name of your high school mascot, if you even remember? What high school did you go to? All sorts of questions like that. Quite often questions that have no meaning in your life, and you have to think about them before you pick them out. Now, I've run into services where I signed up where not a single question related to anything that concerned my life. So I had to make up something and hope that the next time they asked the question or if they ever asked the question, I'd know the answer because I just made it up. Well, there's that. And then there's the fact that anyone like this is the point that I, I made in my piece. OK, so what the, the, this, my article was based on a Google study and it was Google that found that um, that what the, what Google was doing is studying all of the various uh security question responses that the, that they had that went through their servers. Uh, a fine reminder, by the way, that nothing you do with Google is ever just yours. And they found that, for instance, 20% of people say that pizza is their favorite food. So if you're a bad guy and you're trying to hack into, you're trying to hack someone's uh, uh, password security, some, someone's account security, and there's a, a challenge question for what's your favorite food, you stick pizza in, you're going to be right one out of every five times. I mean, that's, that's, that's utterly useless. And there were, there were other things like something about like your, what, what was your teacher's first name? If you're an Arabic speaker, the something like, um, if you had 10 guesses, you had a 43% chance of get, of, of getting that answer correct. And there were all these other examples of, of phrases and words that, that just are not hard uh, to, to, to guess. And that's not even counting the notion of the counting the notion of whether um, someone has a profile on you. Like, you know, a serious criminal organization that is actually out to, to target a particular person. If they know what city you were born in, well, they can answer that question. If they know what schools you went to, they can answer your fifth grade teacher. These challenge questions have never been secure. And Google is pointing out that the emperor has no um, clothes on. And they're encouraging every, everybody, including their own users, to use two-factor authentication, which is uh, substantially more secure. That's where you can get like a text, a code, some kind of code texted to your phone, uh, which is a, a huge extra layer of security. But better have your phone handy. True. Better have your phone handy. All right. That's two-factor authentication, other than the challenge questions. Or have the challenge questions and the two-factor authentication. But even then, the two-factor authentication will come into play every time you log in. The challenge question normally only applies if you fail to give the proper password after three or four attempts, or you want to recover the password or something like that. Right. It's not as a normal part of just logging in. Correct me Correct. if I'm wrong. A little bit later on, we've got on board Kirk McElhern. He's Macworld's iTunes guy, and he also has his own blog called Kirkville at McElhern.com. And we'll talk with him about the fact that he's been doing some eBay and Amazon selling 
and he'll give you his experiences. Coming up with Kirk McElhern. Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer is seldom wrong. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Independently leading the way for the nation. Compelling talk for every political persuasion. We are GCN. There are hundreds of silver products on the market today, but there's nothing like the astonishing health benefits of the multi-patented One Silver Solution. Boost your immune system at a great price with our Silver Solution Liquid, starting at $12.95 a bottle, now available in regular and extra strength. That's half the price of the leading competitors. Call 844-USE-SILVER for your free catalog or go to onesilversolution.com, onesilversolution.com. There is only one silver solution. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Are you suffering from EP? The symptoms include fraudulent charges to your credit card. Your subway card says it's empty, but you bought it yesterday. Someone's been in your hotel room, but the desk clerk says they only show you entering the room. These are signs of EP. Electronic pickpocketing. Payment cards, transit cards, even hotel room keys. Use a radio chip so you can just wave your card at the register, the turnstile, or your hotel room door. But what's convenient for you is also convenient for thieves waving scanners to electronically pickpocket you without even touching you. The good news is there's a cure. ID Stronghold has created leather wallets and clutches that have built-in EP protection. Layers of shielding material cleverly concealed in a beautiful leather wallet that stops the symptoms of EP. Go to IDStronghold.com now and get the cure. IDStronghold.com. Warning, ID Stronghold wallets could lead to feelings of safety and security, comfort in crowds, and euphoria. If you experience these emotions, immediately inform your friends and family about IDStronghold.com so they can feel better too. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. When I say seldom wrong compared to me, I'm always wrong. I just make <laughs> yeah. it up as I go along. Just please note that you said that, not me. Well, you know what? I resemble that remark. <laughs> there we go. So the silliness of challenge questions. Let's move on to something else here. Sure. Okay. This is kind of based on an article from a colleague of both of us, someone we both know for a long time, Peter Cohen. He's with iMore now. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about the fact, first of all, that with Windows 10, Microsoft is saying instead of having reference releases every two or three years, there'll be ongoing rolling updates. You know, we have a new feature fancier way of multitasking it'll just be part of the package we'll just get regular updates it won't be well now we'll introduce windows 11 or windows 12 it's going to be ongoing kind of sort of like adobe does in the cloud although not really because they do have reference releases even though it's all cloud-based now but regardless of that that's the technique that's the theory so he's suggesting well, would apple do something like that with os 10 make os 10.11 the last full release and from then on as they have new features or bug fixes you introduce them 
I mean, that's a theory. The thing that bothers me about it, before I ask for your opinion, is with Windows. Right now, every major Windows release, of course, is going to be thoroughly tested by IT people before it's deployed to make sure there are no problems. Now, if you get like a reduced set of system updates, something above a service pack, somewhere between the service pack, which is like the bug fix release and a minor feature enhancement, and the major release, somewhere in the middle, like a mini release, they still have to go through all this bother of testing them, seeing that they work right, preparing to deploy them on a network. And instead of doing that once every three or four years, you do it every six months or every three months, that's going to be a mess. And then you look at Apple, where every year you know as a developer, Apple's going to have some new features, new APIs, and you get used to it once a year. But if that happens every three months, it's going to be havoc. Well, one would think that my that Microsoft actually has a plan here and 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 understands what it is that they're doing. And, and under Steve Ballmer, I wouldn't necessarily have said that was the case. But under Satya Nadella, if Microsoft plans to do this, it's probably going to to work out. But it comes down to the same thing, which is if any change is serious, it still has to undergo that testing by the IT people. They're not going to just deploy it. Oh, it's just another Windows update. Let's get it in line. You're going to cause more work for people to do it in little bits than all at once. That's true. Of course, corporations could very easily, um, you know, not roll out every update. They could do, they could, you know, go every fourth update, do it once a year, that sort of thing. Um, It is a change and there will be some uh, adaptation that needs to take place in the user base and, and from over at Microsoft too. But uh, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm guessing that it will work out. I suppose we'll see with Windows 10. And the other question is, how modular is it? And at what point do you say, well, we're ready to throw all that away and make a Windows 11 or a Windows 12? That's a good question. Can you do it for three years, five years, whatever? And does it make sense for Apple to do that? Because Apple uses the OS upgrade as a big marketing thing, not because they sell it. It's to say, okay, we've got all these great new features, some of which seem to work a lot better on new hardware. With the iPhone, yes, it is part of the marketing. Get the new iPhone with iOS 9. Uh, Right. I would imagine that Apple will continue what it's doing. You know, the company has has been doing these annual upgrades to iOS and OS 10 now for several years. Um, They seem to have gotten into a rhythm that actually works. Um, I don't see any need for Apple to change to certainly not to to uh, to to meet Microsoft here. And Apple itself does point upgrades throughout the year. You know, we'll, we'll get four or five different versions of, of iOS uh, and OS 10 uh, in between the time it's its first release and in the time of the next upgrade. So, I mean, I guess in some ways, Apple already kind of does that. But it's always worked for Apple because Apple controls the hardware, too. And Apple knows exactly what it's releasing and exactly on which hardware it's going to run on. So it kind of makes it smoother for Apple. I'm sure that Apple will continue to do what it's been doing. Now, there have been a number of criticisms that iOS 8, OS 10.10 were buggier than other releases. Like, for example, there was an ongoing problem with networking, including Wi-Fi networking, and now Apple has taken, I'm not going to get the real nitty-gritty stuff going here because it won't make sense to a lot of people. They removed a component 
that had been changed in OS X in a recent beta to go back to the older component, supposedly eliminating these network problems. But the point being here is that you have these annual releases, you have serious problems, and what does Apple do about that? Do they, every three or four years, just go back and say, we'll have some feature upgrades, but let's just clean things out again? Um, you know, Apple tends to do like one year, one, one, one major update will focus on user interface uh, improvements, uh, you know, cha- changes in the way we actually interact with our devices with some under the hood features. And then the next year, or maybe the next uh, two years from that, they'll focus more on under the hood stuff with relatively small changes to the interface. So, you know, again, I, I think that, I think that Apple's already really been kind of doing that well they're saying then that the next versions of os 10 ios are going to be the updates that have less features and more bug fixing okay that's what they're saying of course we don't know because there's also the press release for wwdc quoting phil schiller about saying they can't wait to show all the developers the great new features they're offering now it may well be most of those new features will be things that will help improve stability and make it better for developers, but won't necessarily be front-facing changes that you and I would see. Right. Yeah, I think, you know, so we got, with iOS 7, we got this major improvement, major change even, depending on what your perspective is, to the interface. You know, the the skeuomorphic stuff is gone, and in comes the flat and and relatively colorful uh, interface that, that we've come to know and I personally love iOS 8 was essentially a series of major refinements to that idea. So I could definitely see the next uh, update, iOS 9, being a lot more about under-the-hood stuff. Uh, There's certainly going to be more watch uh, and watch kit-related changes. There could be improvements to Swift. These are all things that that developers use um, and are really, really important to to what developers do. And yes, I do think that that's what we'll see with iOS 9. You heard it here. I hope they do something of that nature because a lot of people didn't really like OS X Yosemite or iOS 8. I mean, if you look at the ratings at App Store, Yosemite gets something over two and a half stars, which is, I think, worse than the previous version. Not that people aren't getting it. I think the adoption rate's like 60 or 65%. So a lot of people have it. But still... People continued to report problems. After this late stage, in May, Apple is removing or changing key components to fix serious bugs. Obviously, it was shakier than they expected. Yeah, fair enough. See, I'm being fair about this. You are. Now, you have any sense of what things you might like to see in the next iOS or in the next OS X? Well, um, definitely want to see more and better changes to Apple Watch and to the way Apple Watch uh, interacts with other devices. Um, I think, I, I, honestly, I think we're, we're going to see some 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 really good stuff in that particular area. Uh, I think that we're going to continue to see improvements in notifications, and I think that Apple is going to continue its efforts to leapfrog Google Search through uh, through various spotlight related features. Um, I think that, uh, golly, I, I don't know, Gina. I, I, I wish I'd thought about this before we went to to record. 
alas, I did not. One thing I'd like to see in iOS for iPads primarily is some better way of multitasking, like a side-by-side multitasking. Let me have your reaction in our next segment with Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Have you ever felt like the United States government knows way too much about your financial affairs? I continue to hear stories about property seizures, frozen bank accounts, confiscation of stocks and bonds. It makes me wonder if the U.S. citizen will ever again have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Unfortunately, with the Drug and Money Laundering Act, the IRS Revenue Ruling 6045 of 1984, and the Trading with the Enemy Act and Franklin D. Roosevelt's Executive Order of 1933, some precious metal holdings are subject to government intervention. For this reason, Midas Resources has prepared a report explaining the boundaries of trading precious metals privately. Whether if you have any intention of trading with Midas Resources or not, I have instructed my representatives to give this report out free. Call for your free copy at 1-800-686-2237. When investing, always proceed with caution. Again, call 1-800-686-2237. Exercise your legal right to trade metals privately. 1-800-686-2237. Are you suffering from EP? The symptoms include fraudulent charges to your credit card. Your subway card says it's empty, but you bought it yesterday. Someone's been in your hotel room, but the desk clerk says they only show you entering the room. These are signs of EP. Electronic pickpocketing. Payment cards, transit cards, even hotel room keys. Use a radio chip so you can just wave your card at the register, the turnstile, or your hotel room door. But what's convenient for you is also convenient for thieves. Waving scanners to electronically pickpocket you without even touching you. The good news is there's a cure. ID Stronghold has created leather wallets and clutches that have built-in EP protection. Layers of shielding material cleverly concealed in a beautiful leather wallet that stops the symptoms of EP. Go to IDStronghold.com now and get the cure. IDStronghold.com. Warning, ID Stronghold wallets could lead to feelings of safety and security, comfort in crowds, and euphoria. If you experience these emotions, immediately inform your friends and family about IDStronghold.com so they can feel better too. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and 
installation. You control what you watch when you watch it. Record your favorite shows, pause and rewind live TV, even skip the commercials. Watch local channels too. At just $19.99, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-855-905-MYTV. 1-855-905-MYTV. Say goodbye to the cable guy. Cut costs and get more. 1-855-905-MYTV. 1-855-905-MYTV. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. So, one of the problems with iPad in terms of productivity is it's like the iPhone. The artwork is bigger and allowed for a larger display. But multitasking, you want to open more than one document and an app at the same time? Um, two apps side by side for audio, video work? Duh. Don't you think they got to do something? Yes. And I think that there's a couple of reasons why they have to do something. Um, one is because, of course, the hardware is becoming ever better. One of the reasons why Apple has been so strict about uh, apps running in the background, uh, why Apple has not allowed uh, people to be running two apps at one time, that sort of thing, is to preserve battery life. Um, according to Apple, and this is something I believe, this was several years ago, Apple said that they found that the number one culprit when it comes to battery life was background apps just sucking all the battery life up when you're not even using them. And so they've been very, very strict about that. Now, iPads and, and iPhones are so efficient today, I think Apple has got a lot more room to, to play with. But there's another reason, too. iPad sales have been on the decline. Tablet sales, in general, are on the decline. And I think it behooves Apple to find a way to make them more productivity-centric than they have been. And because, you know, we used to hear a lot about it, uh, from Apple about how tablets were going to be the thing that people used. And they are the device that a lot of people use but sales would not be declining if everybody was 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 super stoked about having just an iPad. So I, I think that um, I think this is a, this this is something that, that Apple has probably been working on for some time, and I don't know if it's going to come this year, but I think we'll see it certainly by by next year. We'll see some kind of uh, uh, multitasking. And lastly, we've also had a, a big rumor about Apple working on a 12-inch iPad. Uh, dubbed the iPad Pro in the press, you know, a large, uh, an even larger device. And I think when you're, when you're looking at having a device that large, you want to have some kind of multitasking ability, some kind of, uh, you know, dual apps running at the same time ability, because that does help people, especially on the productivity side. So if there's going to be an iPad Pro, they'll do it? If there's going to be an iPad Pro, they will do it. It doesn't necessarily mean they won't do it for our existing iPads. Uh, I, one of the things I've kind of wrestled with back and forth in my own head about this, as the, these rumors have have uh, sloshed around, is I, I don't know. I personally have 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 felt well. I don't know. I guess there are times when I have. 
there are times when you want to run two apps at one time. The more screen real estate you have, the more practical sense that makes. So yeah, we'll, we'll get it with an iPad Pro. We might get it anyway. Well, I think with the regular iPad, it makes sense. But what do I know? Yeah, f- f- fair enough. And everybody uses these things differently. I know one of the things that uh, um, that that I often wish is that I could have uh, something like uh, one password running at the same time that I'm running an app that I want to log into. That would be a very, very useful feature to me. Uh, if you're copying and pasting text or images or something between you know, documents or from one app to another, that's another time when you might want two apps running at the same time. So there, there certainly is, is, a, is a use case for that. And I cannot imagine any scenario where Apple has not been working on that. Just waiting to working efficiently, finding ways that they could parcel the tasks so it doesn't, as you say, hurt battery life noticeably. One more thing before we go on. Now, in the recent year or so, Amazon has offered same-day delivery in some cities. And now we're hearing that Apple Store is beginning to offer that as well? Yeah, in the Bay Area, Apple has added a up to four hours option. And uh, some users have reported getting deliveries within 35 minutes of ordering something. Now, this is through the Apple Store app only, and it's only in the Bay Area. If you were to log onto the Apple Store from your browser, you would not see a same-day option. Um, and this is being done through a service called um, uh, Postmates. And on Apple's website, they call it uh, delivery by courier. Well, that's basically what it is. That's exactly what it is, right. And it's $19 extra. It's 19 bucks extra, which is not much at all for same-day delivery. Um, it, it's, it's funny, when I was actually going through the service and seeing what different options were, I noticed that I could could have it delivered um, uh, on Monday for uh, uh, 20 bucks, and I could have it delivered today for $19. <laughs> Give me the $19 one, please. Hey, this is fun. Instead of going to the Apple Store, I want a brand-new Mac. If they can do same-day delivery, I just sit back. I don't have to drive all the way to the store. I don't have to use up the gas. In terms of time alone, I might be saving $19. It's true, depending on you know what your need is, of course. I mean, it's the interesting thing here is 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 uh, you know Amazon and Google and probably some other companies that I don't know about, but Amazon in particular has been really pushing the envelope on same day deliveries. Uh, they they've been very aggressive on this front. Google has something called Google Shopping Express that also focuses on same day deliveries in several markets in the U.S. But Apple, part of Apple's fame and fortune over the last 15 years has been Apple stores, the brick and mortar stores. So, you know, you you can kind of understand why Apple hasn't necessarily been at the forefront of same day deliveries. But at the same time, Apple does probably need to keep up with the Joneses at least a little bit because online services, online shopping is marching straight towards more and more same day delivery options. So, you know, this, this is something Apple probably needs to do, despite the fact that there are Apple stores, you know, hundreds of Apple stores all throughout the country. There you go. Same day delivery. And eventually it's going to be where you call up your Apple store, you go on with your app and you say, I want a brand new Mac and the doorbell rings. Yep. That's going to happen. Gonna That's happen. what Amazon wants, by the way. They want to send a drone to you. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm not too keen on that one, but it I, is inevitable. I could see it now. I order some dog food for teddy bear. And I click order, place order, whatever the option is at Amazon. And then I hear the buzzing in the backyard. And my dog is barking and going crazy. And there it is. It's true. That is, it, it is absolutely inevitable. I don't know how long it's going to take before that's actually commonplace. Um, Amazon is way on the bleeding edge of, of this area. And, and the whole thing is so fraught with, with peril. I mean, <laughs> I, it's the, like the first thing that ever leapt out to me when I, when this story was first uh, making waves um, quite a while ago is, is what's to stop someone from just shooting it out of the air. Hey, let's end it there. Brian Chaffin, please tell our listeners where they can get more of your stuff. You can find me at MacObserver.com, and you can find uh, my personal blog at GeekTells.com, T-E-L-L-S. Before he's attacked by the drone, you better check him out. Exactly. Brian Chaffin, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks for having me, Gene. Nation's largest independently owned and operated talk radio network, the Genesis Communications Network, GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. On the average, Americans work between 45 to 50 years, hoping to build up enough wealth to retire and live out their golden years. Unfortunately, with taxation, the rising cost of food, energy, housing, and medical, many retirees are forced to live below the poverty line. Is this a flaw free enterprise, or is our monetary unit we call the Federal Reserve Note forcing us into perpetual debt, ensuring inflation and higher taxes? These questions and more can be answered by reading G. Edward Griffin's book, The Creature from Jekyll Island. Congressman Ron Paul states it's what every American needs to know about central bank power. A gripping adventure into the secret world of international banking cartel. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I will give a silver dollar from the early 1900s to anyone who purchases this book. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order a copy today. It's critical that the public be made aware of the system. Call and order your copy today at 1-800-686-2237. That's 1-800-686-2237. Uvia needed financing to grow her restaurant business, but her bank simply didn't understand. I was frustrated. Uvia found on-deck business loans. On-deck did it for me. I called on Saturday, and I had $50,000 in my account on Monday morning. How about the terms? Incredibly easy. It doesn't mess with your cash flow. On-deck changed everything. 
this company on deck is going to be there for me. Was it a good move? I'm looking to increase sales probably 30%. Been in business for at least a year with 100,000 plus in revenue? On deck can get you 5,000 to $250,000 in as little as one business day. And they're A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau. On deck has opened up so many doors for me now. Truly, truly, the sky is the limit. I, <laughs> I'm excited. Apply now at ondecklending.com or call 800-326-5430. 800-326-5430-800-326-5430. Loan subject to lender approval. Are you suffering from EP? The symptoms include fraudulent charges to your credit card. Your subway card says it's empty, but you bought it yesterday. Someone's been in your hotel room, but the desk clerk says they only show you entering the room. These are signs of EP. Electronic pickpocketing. Payment cards, transit cards, even hotel room keys. Use a radio chip so you can just wave your card at the register, the turnstile, or your hotel room door. But what's convenient for you is also convenient for thieves. Waving scanners to electronically pickpocket you without even touching you. The good news is there's a cure. ID Stronghold has created leather wallets and clutches that have built-in EP protection. Layers of shielding material cleverly concealed in a beautiful leather wallet that stops the symptoms of EP. Go to IDStronghold.com now and get the cure. IDStronghold.com. Warning, ID Stronghold wallets could lead to feelings of safety and security, comfort in crowds, and euphoria. If you experience these emotions, immediately inform your friends and family about IDStronghold.com so they can feel better too. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. I know a lot of you listeners have had some sort of experiences on eBay. Maybe you bought something, maybe you put something up for auction, maybe you're running a small online business. I know I've had a few experiences over the years selling stuff used stuff trying to get the best buck for it or whatever monetary system you use out there but i also help my wife with a small online business now kirk is like most people if you use ebay it's just occasional if you want to sell something and this is a quick way of doing it but you tell me it's kind of confusing yeah first of all Probably one of the biggest problems with eBay is that the website looks like it was designed in 1994 and probably hasn't changed very much since then. Uh, it's incredibly hard to find things when you're looking, when you're an eBay novice. Um, I, I've sold a half dozen things on eBay in my life. I sold an old Kindle once. I sold my Mac Pro um, a couple months ago, the, the round one that I bought last year. And each time I've sold something, I've had to fumble around to try and figure out how to do it. Where do you put the postage? When you list something um, in certain categories, you can't put more than a certain amount of postage, even if the postage is going to be more. I just find it confusing. And so today I just sold a box set of CDs and the postage thing came up. How do you put it in? Where does it go? You know, I wanted to put the postage on the page, on the sale page. Um, and you can't put an amount of postage until you've sold it and that you can only quote it when you create the invoice. So it's it, the amount of time I wasted just to deal with that makes eBay very frustrating. Um, and, and I would contrast that with Amazon where I've sold used CDs and books for years now and it's a breeze to sell with them. Now, people don't consider Amazon as a place to do this. You have something used, it's always eBay. 
Well, I don't know. I've always used Amazon. So we've talked about music a lot, and people who've heard me on the show know that I'm a classical music fan, and I've got lots of CDs, um, in part because I get a lot of CDs for review. So every once in a while, I go through my collection, and I cull 100 CDs, and I list them used on Amazon. Now, I think the advantage of Amazon is that when you're listing products, someone who's looking to buy that specific CD, they'll see the list of all the different sellers that are offering it new and used, and you've probably got more of a chance of selling than if it seems less likely that someone's going to just search for a specific classical CD on eBay, then they're either going to search for it on Amazon or stumble across it on Amazon. So I haven't bothered to list anything like that. Also, when you list something on Amazon, it stays listed forever. When you list on eBay, you've got to keep relisting it. Now with Amazon, is it the same as eBay? You give them a piece of the action? Yeah, I think altogether they take, I guess, 20%. Ooh, um, that's kind of high. Well, it might be higher than eBay, but then again, it's a lot more flexible. Um, as I said, you list things forever. You can easily change your price. You don't have these complicated pages for listings because on Amazon, you're listing something that exists. So if it's a book, it's got an ISBN, you search for that and you find the, the appropriate page. You're, not, you're never creating your own pages unless you've got some really obscure old book, old CD that's you know pre-barcode or something. The, the 20% might be an exaggeration. I'd have to, to look it up. Um, they take a cut. They collect the shipping cost, which they charge at a flat rate depending on um, whether it's a CD, a book, a DVD, whatever. You get that amount. I On the website, they give me all the information, so I just one-click to print out um, uh, a shipping invoice, and then they put me through to the, the UK post office. I assume they do that in the US as well. And I can buy the delivery directly on the Amazon site and print a label. So it's really quick and easy to do it. Now, with eBay, if you sell something that's normally catalog, it's hit or miss. I had a spare Apple TV I sold once. When I plugged that in, it came up with all the information, the specs and everything. Right. I sold something else that was also a fairly common product, and I had to basically make it up for myself. There's no consistency in that. I agree with you. The interface is definitely a little too old-fashioned. And I'm sure that the CEO of eBay hasn't a clue about any of that. Remember also, eBay owns PayPal. Right. Which is a little bit more advanced. Right. And, of course, they funnel your payments through PayPal, and so PayPal takes a cut. Whereas with Amazon, it doesn't work that way. I mean, Amazon's still getting a cut of everything, but you're paid directly to your bank account through Amazon. So you've given them your bank account details, and every two weeks they send you a payment for however much they owe you. Um, whereas your PayPal payment takes a separate cut off the top. So I think, I mean, I'd have to compare, but I think they come out pretty much the same. I'm sure that, that each company has calculated how much their charges are thinking of the other. Um, but what you say about listing items on eBay, the, the real problem is... If you find something that's already listed, the description might not be appropriate or you might want to change it. If not, you've got to create the whole description for yourself. Now, if it's an Apple TV, it's easy. You can just copy it off of the Apple website or something. Um, but for some other things, you're spending a lot of time. You've got to choose categories. If you want to choose, I think, multiple categories, you have to pay extra. E eBay has all these extra fees. Um, there are no fees for listing anything on Amazon, whereas on eBay depending on how you want to list something, you can end up paying a lot of money. They grab uh, it from both ends. 
Now, there are yeah. some things you can list for next to nothing, but then they take out their cut, and normally PayPal will take out its cut, so it's kind of double-dipping. Right. And, you well, force, it- and you're forced to integrate it with PayPal. The point right. being that with PayPal, you don't have to actually have a PayPal account to pay with PayPal. You could just use a regular credit card. You can use a credit card, yeah. Right. Whereas with Amazon, you do need an Amazon account. Um, I, I should point out, you said there are some things you can list with low fees. You can list anything for free, as long as you don't have too many photos, too many categories, and as long as it's just a, a listing and not an auction. Once exactly. You the key is auction, here, as soon as you add stuff to get better promotion of the item you have for sale, they nickel and dime you. And also, if you list it as an auction, you're going to pay whether it's sold or not. Um, and I think that's a mistake on their part. It would really be in their interest to only charge you if it sells because they'd get more auctions and they'd probably get more sales at higher prices because, you know, people get drawn into an auction and this sort of desire to win uh, and they might end up spending more than they would otherwise. Uh, of course, this, this is for, I, let's say, non-standard objects. Um, I'm just looking, I, while we were talking, I searched for Apple TV on eBay here in UK, and there are several major retailers who are listing it here. That, for me, is one of the problems that eBay has become a site that is sold, that is used not only by individuals to sell things, but by retailers um, to drive traffic to their stores. Now, just to let you know, I looked up eBay sales, and sales and profits were up in the most recent quarter, reported in April, but they're also in the process of laying off 2,400 people or 7% of the workforce. That's probably most of the the website designers because they clearly don't care about changing the website very much. Well, it's one of these things that possibly is done by corporate bean counters. You look at the dollars and the cents, you don't consider what's necessary to take it to the next dimension. There are other areas, other services where you can sell an auction, like Bonanza, for example has, a, I think, a better way of setting things up, but it doesn't have the audience of eBay. And that's the big thing here. If you want to sell something and you pick Amazon or you pick eBay, you have a large audience. I know when I sold a couple of common things like an Apple TV, it's gone in 20 minutes. Yeah, That's it. Um, and, and I know that I sold an, a, a one-generation old Kindle a few years ago on eBay and sold it the same day. There are other marketplaces, depending on the type of product you're selling. Discogs, D-I-S-C-O-G-S, which originally was short for discography. It was originally a website that basically just listed, they're trying to list every CD ever made. They've also turned into a marketplace where you can list items to sell and you can buy items. If you're a, a record collector and you're looking for obscure CDs, it's a place to look. But my guess is that most people who are selling CDs on Discogs are probably also listing them, listing them on Amazon. All right. We're going to have more of this. Amazon versus eBay and lots more to talk about with the iTunes guy himself. Kirk McElhern on the Tech Night Owl Live. Great minds think alike. The network for the independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. 
Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Yuvia needed financing to grow her restaurant business, but her bank simply didn't understand. I was frustrated. Yuvia found on-deck business loans. On-deck did it for me. I called on Saturday, and I had $50,000 in my account on Monday morning. How about the terms? Incredibly easy. It doesn't mess with your cash flow. On-deck changed everything. This company, on-deck, is going to be there for me. Was it a good move? I'm looking to increase sales probably 30%. Been in business for at least a year with 100000 plus in revenue? On Deck can get you 5000 to $250,000 in as little as one business day. And they're A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau. On Deck has opened up so many doors for me now. Truly, truly, the sky is the limit. I, I'm excited. Apply now at ondecklending.com or call 800-326-5430. 800-326-5430. Loan subject to lender approval. Extend your life with Extendovite. Hey, neighbor, what are you doing digging? You had a heart attack last year. Oh, I know. I was told no more hard labor. Then why are you digging? Well, I've been taking Extendovite. It's been approved to help my heart. Extendovite? Is that a new drug? No, not a drug. It's uh, more like an herbal combination made from garlic and cayenne. Herbal? How can that help? Well, actually, we've taken herbs for thousands of years, and Extendivite is doing the job for me. Does your doctor know about Extendivite? Yeah, my doctor knows, and he said it seems to be working for you, so don't stop taking it. I feel great taking Extendivite. I don't want to stop. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822, or visit our website at heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Hi, John Hubner from Midas Resources. Are you tired of watching your hard-earned assets dwindle away? As government spending is out of hand and the Federal Reserve is creating in excess of $20 billion a week, are you tired of stockbrokers gambling away your hard-earned money? Is this market a setup for a crash greater than 1987? Too many of today's policies resemble those that led to the collapse of 1929. This is John Hubner, and that was me in 2007. And we all know what happened when the subprime credit bubble burst. By March 2009, the dollar lost 50% of its value. The entire U.S. banking system was on the verge of collapsing. Like all financial problems of the past, is history about to repeat itself? Call me, John Hubner, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 129, before it's too late to protect yourself. Will the oncoming catastrophe take all private IRAs, 401ks with it? There is a way to protect your hard-earned assets. Call me, John Hubner, at one 800 686 
1-800-636-2237, extension 129. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. We're having the great debate here, eBay versus Amazon. So I guess for things like records, books, stuff like that, probably the best place to go is Amazon or any common product. But if you're doing something that's maybe not so common, you go to eBay? Yeah. So the the thing that I was selling was a box set of Grateful Dead CDs that was never listed on Amazon um, because it was only sold directly from the Grateful Dead's company. And it, it was a limited edition. You basically you can't list something on Amazon that doesn't go through normal sales channels. Um, and again, if you're looking for something, yeah, you'll want to look on eBay if you're looking for something weird. Although, if you look on eBay as well for books, CDs, and other things, um, you're going to find them. The, the problem is that it's such a mixture of such a variety of things that eBay works if you really, if you know exactly what you're looking for and you're looking for something extremely specific, um, then you'll certainly be able to find it. Well, if someone's selling it. Um, But Amazon has the advantage, as I said, you're browsing, you see a book or a CD you want to buy, you say, oh, how much are the other third-party sellers selling it for? And then you find, you know, some of them are selling it for half the price or you might get a used one for even less. And and that's a lot easier for me than having to shift over to eBay to look for the same item. Well, I know if I want to get a book that's out of print, cheap or not so cheap, Amazon, I generally find places. Yeah. Unless it's a very rare book, um, Amazon, you'll find pretty much everything. I, I often buy remainders on Amazon, a book that's a year old. You can get the hardcover. I'm I'll use UK prices. Let's say the, the hardcover was 15 or 20 pounds when it came out. You can usually get it when it's a year old and the paperbacks come out. You can get it for two or three pounds as a remainder. Um, and often these are books that are shipped from the U.S., but the shipping price is the same as in the U.K. In other words, if the seller chooses to list it in another country, they don't get extra shipping. Um, so I often I actually buy CDs a lot through Amazon that come from the U.S., because the people selling them are able to sell them without charging the VAT, which is 20%. So that means that the price is automatically lower. Okay, so there's a story, eBay versus Amazon. All right, let's move on. Now, we're talking a lot here in the States about Apple TV and about the possibility that Apple is going to have a subscription TV service. And we hear that the CEO of CBS, Les Moonves, says that they're talking with Apple, they expect to sign. This is what his quote is saying. I mean, Apple can't say to the CEO of CBS, hey, Les, don't say that. Not going to happen. But how does that apply in Europe? They're going to be an Apple subscription TV service in the Europe, too, with a new Apple TV set-top box? It, it's a very good question. Um, iTunes Radio is still only available in the U.S. and Australia. And this is, what, a year and a half on now? A- any, kind of, any kind of agreement that Apple comes to with companies, whether it be for streaming music or videos or anything, they have to renegotiate in different territories. 
uh, I would assume that most European countries fall under the same negotiation, but probably not. You know, there are probably some that don't. You know, South America, Central America, those are distinct territories. Um, so anything that Apple announces in the U.S. for the Apple TV may or may not expand to other countries. Uh, even iTunes Match isn't available in lots of countries. I'm not sure exactly how many. Apple does have a web page where they list this. Um, but the real surprise is that they haven't extended iTunes Radio anywhere uh, except Australia. And why Australia? Why not, I don't know, Canada? So, yeah, if, if there is a, a, an Apple TV streaming service or a subscription service or whatever it is, um, we certainly won't get the channels that you get in the U.S., um, it would well, have we know to be- it's going to be whatever channels you have there. The question is, is there the same need? In this country, we have these monolithic cable companies and the two satellite providers, and they give you huge buckets of shows. And they charge you more and more money except for these special discount packages where for the first year you get something fairly cheap and then it goes up and it goes up. And people have been trying to cut the cord. But right now... When you have this cord cutting here, it's either one thing, a very dedicated service like Netflix, which is now obviously originating its own content, or you have stuff that is off network fare like Hulu Plus, which is owned by some of the networks, or you have something like Sling TV, which is from Dish Network, which is basically basic cable. You get a small number of stations, you package them, You have multiple tiers, and you stream it rather than present it through cables or from a dish. That's what it is. That's what cord cutting is. And everything we hear about Apple is, well, they'll give you a small number of stations, and maybe the local stations, if they can get them to sign up. But I'm not hearing any difference. It's just the delivery mechanism. It goes through Apple instead of Cox or Comcast or Dish. Well, that's the way it is now, and and we're kind of wondering if Apple's not going to come up with something. I, I would say it would be a lot closer to the music streaming model, where a number of channels slash studios get together to offer their content, rather than being a separate app or channel or whatever you want to call it on the Apple TV, as there is now for HBO Now and for CNN and uh, for a number of other things. Um, maybe they're going to come up with something which puts all this together. It would be very different from Netflix because Netflix is is essentially, how would you describe it? I wouldn't say they're scraping the bottom of the barrel, but they don't have a lot of really big movies on Netflix. It's mostly, you know, second and third and fourth level type things and B and C and D movies, basically. They have a smattering of A-list they, they, movies. They, they do. do. But the big thing about Netflix now is House of Cards, Orange is the New Black, Sense8, the new J. Michael Straczynski sci-fi drama that's premiering in June, or Daredevil. I thought Daredevil was one of the best comic book TV shows, wonderful performances, and it was on Netflix. Yeah, Netflix is starting to impose. And over here, Netflix has also got um, content that's on the standard TV networks. So Um, when Breaking Bad was on, Netflix had the last two seasons over here. There was a sci-fi show last summer, I remember we talked about it once, with Halle Berry. Yeah, Extant, that's coming back on CBS for a second season. Right, and that over here was on Amazon Prime Video. 
So both Amazon and Netflix, they do get some content that's not on, um, that's not on standard TV here. So maybe 90% of Netflix is junk. Yeah, the, the thing over here is that in the UK and in France, the two countries I know best, there's only a single satellite provider. So you don't have any kind of competition. Um, now, this provider obviously doesn't have all of the popular American shows. I mean, they had Mad Men on and they had, I don't know, whatever. I'm not even sure what shows are popular these days. But as I said, Netflix had Breaking Bad. So Netflix and over here, and to a lesser extent, Amazon Prime, are starting to pick up a lot of these shows um, that are on in the States and that don't get sold to TV networks over here. Now, yes, 90% of Netflix is direct, but the 10% that's good is worth my paying, I think it's seven pounds a month, which, you know, 10, 12 bucks, it's not a lot of money. Um, I can't see an Apple TV service offering a lot of different, channels because there aren't many premium channels here to start with so you're thinking things like hbo showtime that are all independent of the cable and satellite providers whereas here the premium channels are run by sky which is the company that does the satellite um and there, there's a little bit of cable here but very little um bt formerly british telecom they offer tv as well and they've got a lot of sports like soccer over here but again there's not a lot of premium content other than sports that comes from more than one provider here. Uh, most of that content, actually, what you would consider premium content is either movies or American TV series. There aren't that many British TV series that aren't on the channels that you can get over the air. So the question would be, does the kind of service that these companies provide in America as alternatives to straight cable or satellite, can such fare be presented in the UK or other parts of Europe? Well, so that so the real question is, can HBO sell their service as is outside of the U.S., or can CBS sell their service? Um, I think that it's very problematic because they do have contracts for certain shows to sell them to certain channels. Um, the Good Wife, for instance, which is a relatively popular TV series, is on, I think, ITV over here, which is a commercial over-the-air channel. Let's um, go into more of those in a moment. Okay. We have Kirk McElhern. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state in back taxes, you know they'll never stop coming after you. With bank levies, wage garnishments, they'll even seize your home or business. The good news? A government program for tax debt forgiveness. It's called the Fresh Start Initiative. I'm Paul Sibley. With U.S. Tax Shield, we can help navigate the new laws, get you protected, and resolve your tax issues permanently. Call the experts at U.S. Tax Shield now for your free consultation and get a guaranteed quote to resolve your case. Call 800-436-6451. That's 800-436-6451. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. 
There's a guy named Dr. Wallach who is anything but your typical doctor. Both a veterinarian and a naturopathic physician, Doc asks, why is this country spending more money on health care by far and ranking 50th in health and longevity worldwide? Doc believes that people should empower themselves with a basic understanding of nutrition, taking charge of their life, and attaining optimal health and longevity through nutrition, not by toxic pharmaceutical drugs that lead to side effects that require more expensive and toxic pharmaceutical drugs. Talk about being dependent on drug companies to our own destruction, no less. This is clearly a deadly recipe. Doc Wallach's message is resonating with an increasing number of Americans who are waking up to all the government and big pharma manipulation of our health and healthcare system. I like what Doc Wallach is saying and doing to enlighten people about healthcare, and I've joined forces with him to help this tireless crusader spread his message. Visit brightsideben.com and listen to Doc Wallach's deadly recipe lectures. It makes a lot of sense, and I invite you to join our Brightside Ben team. Go to brightsideben.com. That's www.brightsideben.com. Welcome back to the Tech Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have plus.technightout.com, P-L-U-S.technightout.com. It's the gateway. Speaking of gateways, to the ad-free version of this show, higher resolution copy, you could subscribe for a year, a month, five years, starting price, five bucks a month. Go to plus.technightowl.com to learn more, plus.technightowl.com. And we're talking about Apple, Apple TV, the living room, cord cutting, whether it makes sense. And you were mentioning American shows and some of them, how they are presented in the UK. You mentioned The Good Wife, which has middling ratings here, but because it is so artistically well done. Yeah, it's critically acclaimed, as they say. Right, critically acclaimed. It's a showpiece. It has a lot of honesty to it. They're not afraid it's got of good t- actors. And they're not afraid to kill off lead characters. Well, when the lead characters want to move on and do something else, but yes. Right, so we have, of course, you know, a very... Well, don't, no spoilers for anyone who's, who's a few seasons back. It's been publicized all over the okay. place. Okay. Um, Josh but, but Charles the... left the show. Yeah. Okay. He played Will Gardner, and then she's married still, although they don't live together, to the guy who we used to know as Mike Logan on Law & Order. Or Mr. Big or something in the Sex and the City Sex show. Sex and the City, yeah. Yep. So in the U.S., that's on CBS, right? Right. Right. And over here, it's on, as I said, I think it's on ITV. So if CBS were to license all of their content to Apple to stream it over here, there would be a conflict for that because ITV has a deal to to broadcast that over here and probably has a multi-year commitment. So it's not that simple for to transfer one channel's programming to another country because of existing contracts for specific shows like game of thrones um game of thrones is on sky here which again is the satellite provider um if hbo were to start selling their stuff here there would be a conflict with that this is really an almost impossible situation if you're trying to create a worldwide system so something like an apple subscription tv service would likely start in the u.s possibly one or two other countries, but 
the conflicts here are the fact that contracts are different. There's no consistency where a particular show would go because they're sold by the individual shows, not by a network. Now, I wonder how like the superhero shows like The Flash and Arrow and coming up Supergirl, they're all created by the same production team. They're probably going to have crossover episodes where the actors appear in different episodes. So how would you handle that in the UK? Would it have to be bought by one network? That that would make sense. Um, uh, and you're forgetting one other thing. And we're talking about the UK and the US. But once you move out of, let's say, um, Canada, the UK, Australia, New Zealand, you're dealing in countries with different languages. So you're not only selling the content, but you've got to provide either subtitles or dubbing or both, depending on the country. Um, now, if HBO were to serve up their service as is and to sell it overseas, only those people who understand English well enough to follow each of the given series and or movies would be able to watch them. So it's much less of, of a the, the selling point of an HBO service outside of the UK in Europe is very limited. In Northern Europe, in Scandinavia, an awful lot of people speak English. In France, a lot less. In Spain and Italy and Greece, far fewer. Um, so one of the things that the local, um, the local broadcasters do is that they either pay for or contribute to the subtitling and the dubbing. So if it's broadcast in France and Belgium, right, it's going to be either subtitled or dubbed in French in both countries. Maybe those countries split the cost. Um, for Germany, it, the, the subtitling or dubbing can work in Germany, Austria, and parts of Switzerland. So there could be deals where they're splitting the cost across a couple of countries. But in general, you've got, for the most part, one country, one language. And this is why Apple doesn't have iTunes radio. No, and, I don't think that's why. Well, no. the music deals are all complicated. You've got to make deals in every country. or But they're, but they're selling music in the iTunes store. Um, the iTunes store has actually flattened all of that out around the world. It doesn't mean that as a record label, you can't choose to not sell your music in a specific country. But by default, they expect you to sell it everywhere around the world. Um, record, record deals are far less complicated than audiovisual, so movies and TVs, um, as far as territories are concerned. And that probably is in part because of the language thing. Um, so... Uh, the only iTunes radio stations that would be a problem are the ones where you actually have someone speaking, and I'm not sure there are too many of those. There are some; they, they have these temporary stations with guest DJs, so I guess they're talking a little bit. Um, but most of iTunes radio is just algorithmically driven selections of music based on whatever you've chosen, artist, genre, whatever. Right. Now, with Beats Music, it's a combination. It's also physical human beings curating the music. Providing but that custom doesn't mean mixes. that they're speaking in the playlists or in the radio stations. No, it merely means they select the tunes. You don't want to hear the disc jockey chatter. Um, most people don't, but again, in iTunes radio, sometimes there's a guest DJ who's, who's an artist, and you might want to listen to that person say, oh yeah, here's why I like this song, that, that kind of stuff. Let me give you an example of that. So, for example, on Sirius XM satellite radio, you have people like Bob Dylan... And Tom Petty doing half-hour or one-hour shows where they present their own selections of music. They play DJ. And they don't do it every week. But they do it, and it's just them talking informally 
and quite often from the language they use, uncensored. It's just like, hey, give them an hour, let them do what they want. And yeah, that's different. It. That's where you, you get disc jockey chatter that's knowledgeable, and when they do it well, informative. But if it's like Cousin Brucey, who's a New York disc jockey who's on Sirius XM now, he just goes on and on. Yeah. I grew up with Cousin Brucey. He bored yeah, me then. So I'm I. sorry. Yeah. Well, D- Dylan did a show called the Theme Time Radio Hour for a that's few it. years. He did 100 episodes, and each one's an hour long, and he's basically introducing the old music that he likes. Um and th- he hasn't done anything since then. It, this could be one of the reasons that Sirius XM never expanded outside the U.S. and perhaps Canada. I'm not sure if they're there. Um, it's not available elsewhere in the world, maybe because there is a lot of talk on it and a lot of you know DJ-driven stuff. Well, I notice, for example, that on the rock and roll stations, most of the disc jockeys they use are people who are fairly well-known, like a lot of the major disc jockeys from the New York station. After they retired or the station switched formats, they found gigs over at Sirius XM. The big personality on Sirius XM is Howard Stern. I don't know how Howard Stern translates to Europe. <laughs> I don't think he would. Um, but that, that, that's a very specific type of DJ. I wouldn't technically call him a DJ. He's a talk show. Um, they but, call him a shock jock. Yeah, I, I don't think that would translate. But even so, if Sirius XM did want to sell their programming over here, they could not sell certain types of programming that could be problematic. And that would probably be one of them. Um, just for instance, the libel laws in the UK are such that probably um, Howard Stern probably violates them every five minutes in his show. And that's during the commercials. Yes. If, if not, <laughs> well, um, but yeah, it's it, so it's interesting to see that that worldwide music is pretty much flattened, um, and in part because of the iTunes store. But music is, uh, I wouldn't say it's an international language, but music works, even if you don't understand the lyrics. Although it's funny, when I first moved to France, um, I met some people and they were saying, oh yeah, we don't like American pop music um, because the lyrics are really dumb and all that. Um, and But, oh, these French guys, you got to listen to the lyrics, they're really good. Um, so it, it's a there's a different sort of attitude whether when it's local content and when it's not. Um, on the other hand, it's also interesting that while Apple has kind of flattened um, the contracts for music, I, I got an email from a reader recently asking why he can't get French pop music on the iTunes store in the States. Aha, uh-huh. let's go more into that. Okay. And the limitations at both ends. With iTunes, from the iTunes guy himself, Kirk McElhern, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Making the right decisions is a challenge to investors. Are we going to see economic growth, slide into a recession, or at worst, depression? Hi, Ted Anderson from Midas Resources. We all know when a company acts irresponsibly, divesting ourselves in a move towards safety is prudent. When the market becomes volatile, U.S. Treasuries are a safe haven. But what do you do when the U.S. government overextends itself and spends beyond its means? Many investors are turning toward gold as a common-sense alternative to traditional paper investments. Midas Resources has put together a 
powerful book titled 10 Reasons to Own Gold, discussing costs, benefits, risks, featuring full-color illustrations, weights, and measures. The book is free and can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. Paper investments are dwarfed by gold's 6,000-year history. Discover how gold may be right for you and your IRA by calling 800-686-2237. Whether buying or it's time for you to sell, the book is free. Call 800-686-2237. Why do over 50% of North Americans suffer from some form of chronic ailment? Could it be due to a toxic overload? It's time to take back your life. Get the lead out as well as the cadmium, mercury, and calcium. Extendivite is a garlic cayenne supplement with five other herbs that acts like a natural Drano, cleaning out the stored toxins, restoring your energy and youthfulness that we've lost. If you would like to live your life free of sickness, pain, or fear, then Extendivite is for you. Available in either capsules or liquid, you too can see why Extendivite is the number one heart drop available. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit our website at heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Yuvia needed financing to grow her restaurant business, but her bank simply didn't understand. I was frustrated. Yuvia found on-deck business loans. On-deck did it for me. I called on Saturday, and I had $50,000 in my account on Monday morning. How about the terms? Incredibly easy. It doesn't mess with your cash flow. On-deck changed everything. This company, on-deck, is going to be there for me. Was it a good move? I'm looking to increase sales probably 30%. Been in business for at least a year? with 100,000 plus in revenue, On Deck can get you 5,000 to 250,000 dollars in as little as one business day, and they're A plus rated with the Better Business Bureau. On Deck has opened up so many doors for me now. Truly, truly, this guy is the limit. I, I'm excited. Apply now at ondecklending.com or call 800-326-5430. 800-326-5430. Loan subject to lender approval. If the IRS has garnished your paycheck or seized money from your bank account. You need to get professional tax help now. Fast action is required to put a halt to these aggressive IRS collection tactics. You can count on the knowledgeable team of tax professionals at Walland Associates. With over 30 years of experience, Walland Associates has settled the tax problems of thousands of taxpayers for a small fraction of what they owed. For a free face-to-face consultation, call 1-800-425-4610 to put a wall between you and the IRS. 1-800-425-4610 or look for us on the web at wallandassociates.net. We solve tax problems. If you hire Walland Associates today, you'll never have to talk to the IRS again. To stop the levies and seizures today, take action now. Call Walland Associates at 1-800-425-4610. Walland Associates. 1-800-425-4610. Based on actual cases, results may vary. Not a solicitation for legal services. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes.
So Kirk McElhern, the iTunes guy from Macworld, says he got a letter from a reader saying, why can't he get French pop music in America? But isn't part of it, that's the way it kind of works, getting the more regional or specific country music in America doesn't always happen, but we expect American artists, the really famous ones, to be worldwide sensations. Well, I, see, the thing is that if you do sell your music on the iTunes store, you can choose to sell it in every market. If there's not as much French music as you would want this particular reader, it's probably just because the French record labels don't want to sell it in the States or in other countries. Um, French pop music is a very specific type of pop music, and you either like it or you don't. The, the problem is there's no downside. When you put the music onto the iTunes store, it doesn't cost you any more to sell it in multiple markets. Uh, so I don't know why this is the case. I mean, I'm just browsing right now, and I'm seeing a number of really well-known pop French singers and all that. But there's probably a lot that's not there, again, because of the record labels. It, it's a choice of the record labels. If they don't want to sell it, they won't sell it. And maybe it's just, I don't know, maybe it's easier for them. It's just a, a spreadsheet with more lines, basically, if you're selling in more countries. Remember that. To the record company, it's not the artistry. It's dollars and cents and marketing it's product yep. it's whatever it's whatever dollar sign or pounds or euros whatever it's selling product if they can sell the product they'll do it if they think it might be a problem it's up to them whether they bother but we're getting back to the cord cutting and the apple tv and everything so we expect at the beginning kirk that if this apple subscription service comes to pass it's going to be u.s specific and maybe later on roll out to other countries, depending on their requirements and licensing and stuff like that. It might take years then. I would expect that it's going to take years. I, I can't imagine that Apple has really nailed this down around the world because for them, the first big market is clearly the U.S. Um, I also I, think this country has more of a need for it. Because Americans are vegetables in front of TVs more hours a day than other countries? Is that what you're saying? I think part of it is that their perception here is that the existing sources of content are not appealing to younger people who don't have the money, who don't want to get more channels with hard-earned money. They want just a specific number of channels or content. They don't have the money. They don't have the time. Yeah, And tastes have changed. So Apple's trying to appeal to this area that the cable and satellite providers are not reaching anymore. Their market growth has slowed almost to a halt. We see Dish Network being the one trying to introduce a new service, which is just giving you basic cable online in the cloud. Yeah. But they're all trying to find different ways to attract younger people and look at where the market is heading and try to look at the areas where the market is not being served now. And part of it is the bucket of channels where you spend $150 for your cable or satellite package to get the stuff that you need because everything's in a different tier, but you're still watching a dozen stations out of 400. Is that fair? Yeah, that's always the case. But also, I think we need to put things into another perspective. Um, Mad Men finished, I think, a week or 10 days ago, as, as of when we're recording this. And I saw an interesting number on the internet that more people watched a 60-year-old rerun of I Love Lucy than watched the Mad Men finale. Now, Mad Men is a big draw on, what is it, AMC. It's critically acclaimed and all that. But when you look at how many people watch it, 
it's really only a few million. And literally more people were watching a 60-year-old rerun of I Love Lucy. More people were watching some dumb reality show um, than Mad Men. So it's very easy to get skewed by what by the headline shows and think that that's what's important. Whereas for most people, it's simply not. Most people in the United States and around the world couldn't care less about Mad Men or Breaking Bad or The Good Wife or any of these shows. Well, in America, the number one shows are things like NCIS. Yeah. Obviously. NCIS now has three shows. NCIS Los Angeles, NCIS, NCIS New Orleans. Yep. And they all get really good ratings because they're well done, they're slick, they've got good appealing performers, they have a touch of humor. But, you know, it's not something that you're going to remember an hour later. No, and people watch it to pass the time. They don't watch it with the same sort of engagement that they would watch Mad Men or Game of Thrones or whatever. But again, you were talking about younger people. I'm not sure that NCIS is is that younger demographic. No, that demographic is definitely over 50. Yeah. So it it's really hard to understand. I mean, on the one hand, you've got something for everyone. But on the other hand, the, the system that you constantly complain about on, on this show of the way cable TV is sold is trying to sell that something for everyone. And if you've got an overlap, um, it makes it really complicated. So if you've got, say, teenage kids and you're your age or my age, then you're trying to get content that works for both of these demographics. And that's not easy or it's very expensive. Now, one thing we're seeing, of course, is there's always these trends in TV shows, like police procedurals. We always see them. Now we're seeing superhero shows. Again, I mentioned that before. Supergirl is coming out this fall. But they had this unofficial leak of the pilot episode on all the torrents. I don't think they stopped that. I don't think CBS really was concerned. And it's obviously a show for younger people because most of the stars there are people in their 20s. But I thought it was fun. I really enjoyed it. You know, it had a flashy kind of optimistic thing. And the woman who plays Supergirl, she has this kind of rubbery face when she plays, you know, the earthbound character, the Clark Kent equivalent with the glasses. And she's cute and funny. And like I said, she's got this rubber face, which is the kind that only really good comedians have. And she can just have this this look of total befuddlement. But that's the kind of show that appeals to a, a wide range of people. Personally, I couldn't care less about superhero shows. Um, I watched 15 minutes of Daredevil, maybe even less, and I was bored. You uh, were? I Once I got into it, I loved the show. And I'll give you one scene which you didn't see. There's a scene there where they've got Daredevil and his civilian guise of Matt Murdock. And he is chasing a criminal who took off in a car. So he's jumping across the rooftops. It's a combination of jumping, leaping, somersaults, obviously done with a team of crack stunt people. I thought that five-minute scene or whatever it is was just amazing. More so than watching a superhero fly in the sky or smash something, watching Daredevil wearing a suit, just a regular suit because he's a lawyer in his civilian life, jumping around. I thought that was worth it. I thought watching Vincent D'Onofrio inflated the 300 pounds as Wilson Fisk, the villain, where he has this, this very deep, guttural kind of calm voice, and then he becomes homicidal and beats the ever-loving whatever out of somebody. 
I thought see, it's a really totally good. Lost me now. I don't know who you're talking about. Right. Okay. What's you see, you only watch a small part of the show, so you didn't. You missed all this, all yeah, the good stuff. Kirk McElhern is Kirk McElhern missed the good parts of Daredevil. I'm Kirk Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Free from the shackles of corporate America, we're the place for independent thinkers. GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com we the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. There are hundreds of silver products on the market today, but there's nothing like the astonishing health benefits of the multi-patented One Silver Solution. Boost your immune system at a great price with our Silver Solution Liquid, starting at $12.95 a bottle, now available in regular and extra strength. That's half the price of the leading competitors. Call 844-USE-SILVER for your free catalog or go to OneSilverSolution.com. OneSilverSolution.com. There is only one silver solution. Are you suffering from EP? The symptoms include fraudulent charges to your credit card. Your subway card says it's empty, but you bought it yesterday. Someone's been in your hotel room, but the desk clerk says they only show you entering the room. These are signs of EP. Electronic pickpocketing. Payment cards, transit cards, even hotel room keys. Use a radio chip so you can just wave your card at the register, the turnstile, or your hotel room door. But what's convenient for you is also convenient for thieves. Waving scanners to electronically pickpocket you without even touching you. The good news is there's a cure. ID Stronghold has created leather wallets and clutches that have built-in EP protection. Layers of shielding material cleverly concealed in a beautiful leather wallet that stops the symptoms of EP. Go to IDStronghold.com now and get the cure. IDStronghold.com Warning, ID Stronghold wallets could lead to feelings of safety and security, comfort in crowds, and euphoria. If you experience these emotions, immediately inform your friends and family about IDStronghold.com so they can feel better too. 
Gold. It's like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the re-emergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-2237 for the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As Good As Gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. Well, you know, look, if he doesn't like Daredevil, that's fine. You know, he tried it. He didn't like it. It's a, Really, it's a show that's meant to be enjoyed as 13 episodes 13 parts of one movie. And that takes a really big commitment. And if you don't get into it, it's not going to happen. My wife didn't get into it till about halfway through. So there you go, Kirk McElhern. What can I say? Um, I did watch a show recently that surprised me that I thought it was going to be a cheesy teen show, and it ended up being a lot better than I thought. Uh, it's called The 100. Yes, that's from the CW, the same network that brings you Flash and... Uh, okay, Aaron. so it's on Amazon Prime Video over here. And I watched it just because, like, okay, they're pushing this thing. It's up in the banners, and let me see what it is, finally. And I was surprised. It was better than I thought. It kind of has that sort of Battlestar Galactica not-quite-good-enough thing to it. Um, and I only watched to the end of the first season. Uh, but it wasn't bad. It was acceptable. Now, would you explain what it's about? Now, we know Daredevil, it's the comic book character who is blinded when he's like 10, 12 years old with this chemical that gives him heightened senses. So he's able to hear everything and replaces the loss of his sight with everything else. So it's kind of a superpower. That's Daredevil. What is The Hundred about? The Hundred is about, it's, it's a post-apocalyptic story, whereas it starts 97 years after there was some sort of nuclear holocaust on the Earth. And a few thousand people were in space and managed to sort of pull their space stations together into something they call the Ark. And at this point, they send 100 kids, teenagers, down to Earth to see if it's habitable, hence the title, The 100. The 100, 100 is the title, but they call it The 100. Um, so these kids go down and they find that it is indeed habitable. But of course, the show quickly lostifies with others that they call grounders, people who live on the ground, and all sorts of things that go on and on. And, and it looks like one of these series that can just be dragged out forever. It's part Lord of the Flies because you've got a bunch of teenagers trying to organize themselves on a, a, a planet they don't know. It's part Battlestar Galactica. It's part Hunger Games. It's well enough done that it's an interesting series to watch. The 100. No, the 100 is the way they say it. Okay, we don't have the 100, we have the 100 on the CW. Now, the one show that annoyed me is when they dragged out Smallville, which is about the teenage Clark Kent, for 10 years. 
For 10 years, you got this actor playing Clark Kent from a high school student to the time he becomes Superman. And by the time the series was over, the guy was in his 30s. The other thing, the other shtick they pulled, by the way, on these superhero shows is they drag in people who have been on previous superhero shows on TV. So The Flash, for example, back in 1990, there was a one-season show called The Flash starring John Wesley Shipp, who later on became fairly prominent with soap operas. He plays the father of the character who's The Flash in the new series. In Supergirl, you see Dean Cain, who played in Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, is Superman, and Helen Slater, who played Supergirl in a 1980s film, and they play the parents, the adoptive parents of Kara, who is, of course, Supergirl. So they try to bring in these people that bring in an audience. Say, look, the people who played those roles in the past, here they are again. Yeah, I think it's only the real super fans who care about that. But maybe it's only the real super fans who watch it in the first place. So, Well, the number one rated show on CW is Flash. What it's got is, like twice the ratings of every other show. What have. is this CW thing? The CW is a network partly owned by CBS. It caters to a younger demographic. Okay. All right? That's where these shows go, because they're catering to more of a youthful audience. But slowly, as these shows progress and people grow with it, they actually grab an older audience. So their demographics in the key area where they sell advertising are really, really good. And a couple of times, The Flash almost outrated regular network shows. So I just pulled up Amazon's Prime Instant Video page here in the UK. Let me just give you an example of some of the TV shows that they have. And you're going to quickly tell me, oh, this is on CBS, this is on NBC, etc. So The 100, Defiance, Revolution, Under the Dome. Defiance is from the Sci-Fi Network. Under the Dome is CBS. Revolution was on NBC. Go ahead, please. The 100 is from CW. Resurrection, ABC. Grimm. That's NBC. The Arrow. CW. Okay. Um, Doctor Who, obviously. That's the BBC. Alien Dawn. I've never heard of that. And then a bunch of British series. So as you can see, they're sort of a clearinghouse for a lot of these American TV series that I wouldn't call them the A-list series, but let's say the B-list series. Here's some others that they have, and they don't necessarily have the latest seasons of them. Parks and Recreation, Mad Men, Scandal, Ray Donovan, 30 Rock... Ray Donovan, by the way, is Showtime. Why do I know this? Why do I know where these shows are on? Because you watch a lot of TV, Gene. Ray Donovan, by the way, is another heck of a show. John Voight plays the father of Ray Donovan character, and he steals the show. Whenever he's there, he just takes it away. He walks away with it. Well, but that so that gives you an example of of how they can do this, at least in the UK. Again, because of the language issue, it's going to be different in other countries. Um, That between Netflix and Amazon, they've got a lot of series. I I think, actually, that Amazon has more TV series here than Netflix does, at least US series. Amazon, they talk about all their exclusive things. And, of course, they've been producing a couple series themselves, not too many. Um, Netflix, you're getting an awful lot more exclusive series than on, um, excuse me, self-produced series than you do on Amazon. Now, there's one thing I'm seeing in TV, and we'll go on to what Apple might do for the living room in a moment. The big thing I see in TV, broadcast or cable or premium cable, whatever, is that movie actors are now embracing TV 
without the stigma. I mean, in the old days, if an actor goes to television, it's like, you know, that's what you say. You send them out to pasture. They're no longer getting people in the box office. Send them out to pasture. It's like when they show up on the Hollywood squares, right? Exactly. It's the Hollywood squares. Now, Matthew McConaughey, an Oscar-winning actor, did True Detective for one season. He goes back and does his movies. Or Halle Berry, who's an Oscar-winning actress, she does Extant on CBS, a sci-fi series. The point being here is that whatever you think of the shows, these actors aren't afraid to do a TV series. Like the second season of True Detective has a bunch of A-list actors appearing there for the second season. Totally new surroundings, totally new characters and everything else. And now you could do that. Now you have this era where it doesn't matter anymore. If there's a good script, an actor does this TV show. A lot of times, though, they don't want to do TV shows for 22 weeks or 23 weeks. They do the limited season, which is six weeks or 13 weeks or something like that. Like the X-Files is coming back. Six-week run. Yeah. Maggie Gyllenhaal did a series over here, and I heard an interview with her about it. I can't remember what it was called. Um, and she was saying that, yeah, it's it's an interesting experience to do something with a limited time frame, but that's not just a movie. And I, and I think the actors are seeing it both as a challenge and as something that is financially interesting for them now. As TV is getting better, they're not embarrassed, and they're able probably to have a lot more input than they would on a movie even. Because when you watch some of these TV series with well-known actors, you often see the name the names of the actors listed as executive producers. So, for example, with House of Cards, that's Kevin Spacey. Right. On the other hand, you're seeing now, for example, Robin Wright, who plays his wife in the series. In the third season, she directed two or three episodes. That's right, yeah. She's spreading her wings. She wants to become a director. What does a late 40-ish, early 50-ish actress do in terms of pursuing a career? What kind of roles does she play? And maybe she wants to do creative things. We know Kevin Spacey can direct. He's done that in the past. He does a little bit of everything. Well, Kevin Kevin Spacey is actually quite interesting. So he's been living in the UK for about 10 years, and he was directing a theater in London called The Old Vic. And let's Um, talk about that in a moment. Okay. (laughs) I think we need to do a new show here. Kirk McElhern and Gene Steinberg, let's do a show about pop culture. This is the Tech Night Out Live. Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE 
when you check out. Yuvia needed financing to grow her restaurant business, but her bank simply didn't understand. I was frustrated. Yuvia found on-deck business loans. On-deck did it for me. I called on Saturday, and I had $50,000 in my account on Monday morning. How about the terms? Incredibly easy. It doesn't mess with your cash flow. On-deck changed everything. This company, on-deck, is going to be there for me. Was it a good move? I'm looking to increase sales probably 30%. Been in business for at least a year? Year with 100,000 plus in revenue, On Deck can get you 5,000 to 250,000 dollars in as little as one business day, and they're A plus rated with the Better Business Bureau. On Deck has opened up so many doors for me now. Truly, truly, the sky is the limit. I, I'm excited. Apply now at OnDeckLending.com or call 800-326-5430. 800-326-5430. Loan subject to lender approval. There's a man named Dr. Joel Wallach who is anything but your typical doctor, both a veterinarian and naturopathic physician. Doc asks, why does the United States spend more money on health care by far and still rank 50th in health and longevity worldwide? He believes that people should empower themselves with a basic understanding of nutrition, take charge of their health, and attain optimal health and longevity through nutrition, not by toxic prescription drugs that lead to side effects and more toxic prescription drugs. Doc Wallach's message is resonating with an increasing number of Americans who are waking up to all the big government, big pharma, and big insurance manipulation of our health care system. I'm George Norrie, and I like what Doc Wallach is saying and doing to enlighten people about health care. Visit criticalhealthnews.com and listen to Dr. Wallach's Deadly Recipes Lecture. It makes a lot of sense, and I urge you to join our Critical Health News team. Go to criticalhealthnews.com. That's criticalhealthnews.com. Quantitative easing, unemployment at depression levels, Europe financial system falling apart, China getting out of U.S. treasuries. At the end of 2008, the time of TARP, the national debt was at 11 trillion gold, trading around $850 per ounce. Close to 2012, the national debt exceeded 16.4 trillion, gold doubled to $1,600 per ounce. The 20 trillion threshold for the national debt is inevitable. Politicians in Washington have a ferocious appetite for spending and stimulus. What's worse, a printing press to finance. A hundred years ago, we had a gold standard to limit this madness, but now you have to adopt your own gold standard. Don't be fooled with paper promises. Get Midas Resources 10 Reasons to Buy Gold free by calling 800-686-2237. Understanding the gold and silver market may be the only insurance you could have to avoiding the next economic crisis. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order your free copy. Again, that's 800-686-2237. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. Last segment of the Tech Night Owl Live, and we were talking about cable and cord cutting, and we're talking about the state of television here. And the fact that actors are going from TV to movies and back again. Kevin Spacey was directing The Old Vic. This guy does a little bit of everything. So Kevin Spacey was directing The Old Vic for 10 years, and he's just finishing up now. He performed uh, Shakespeare's Richard III for several years and notably toured around the world with it. He explained that when he approached House of Cards, he got a lot of inspiration 
from the Richard III character, who was a king, who was who became a king in the story, and you know there were all these power and corruption things going on, and it's actually quite interesting because when you watch House of Cards, and and you'll be struck by this in the very first minutes of the first episode, you notice that he speaks to the camera several times. Right. This and is during he, the entire series, by the way. That's his shtick. That every so often he'll wink at the camera and make a few remarks. Right. And he got this from Shakespeare because Shakespeare has these bits where the the actors are basically talking to the audience. And it's the way that that on stage back in the day, you would let the audience know what an actor was thinking, you know, the way that you use narrative rather than dialogue in a novel. But on the stage, it would be the actors actually talking to the audience. And so he adapted that for the TV series, which gives it a very interesting feel when you look at it, because you're both watching the story from outside, but you're also partly inside in the confidence of this one character um, who's talking to you, whereas none of the other characters are doing that. It's a fascinating session. It's interesting if you follow the series arc, how he starts from a congressman and moves up the ladder all the way and then has to try to keep his office and keep his relationship with his wife going. And in the meantime, by the way, I'll just mention this as a couple of spoilers. He commits murder a couple of times. Well, he only commits murder once himself. He has other people commit murders. But it's in the very first episode of the second season, and a very surprising scene, because the character he kills is, is a character you expected to see throughout the season. And that character doesn't make it through the first episode. The, I thought the series was very good until the third season. And the problem is once he's president in the third season, there's less of a drive for him to do things, and it's more about him hanging on. And I found that just... The way the series would construct it, a lot of it felt like filler in the third season. And the other thing here is, how do you stretch that to a fourth season? There will be a fourth season, and I will just hint this, you'll see it through the third season without the spoiler. There are issues between him and his wife, and I'll leave it there. His wife, Claire, played by Robin Wright, of course. So we have to see how that stretches. And where is the big fall? Which is, using that title, House of Cards. So at some point... There has to be a big fall where all the things he's built up, it has to come tumbling down. How do they do that? Well, presumably that's what the fourth season is going to be about because, well, at the end of the third season, he said he wasn't going to run for re-election and he said he was. He's only at the end of his first term as president. So in the fourth season, you're either going to see the election or you'll see him already elected and it'll be his second term. I've seen in a number of People have speculated, and of course this is just pure speculation, that there's only going to be four seasons because there are only 52 cards in a deck of cards, and it would be the fourth season would make it 52 episodes. I really doubt that that's how they're thinking, but the way things look, it doesn't look like it can go more than one more season right now. You see, a show, for example, like Daredevil can go on forever because the character does. So, for example, season two, you're going to get Elektra. If you remember the movie version with Ben Affleck, Electra was Jennifer Garner. They met on the set and they became husband and wife. But there's going to be a character, a much greedier character in the TV series. But that did very well. I know you didn't get into it. And I urge you to try it again with an open mind. Sit back and try to get in the series and the gritty nature. But again, you're not a comic book person, so you can't. I'm not a comic book person. I, I just can't. You know what my my guilty pleasure is that I've been watching. I've been watching Nashville. Huh. Now, I started watching it because I really like Connie Britton. 
I had seen her in Friday Night Lights, and I thought she was excellent. In the beginning, it was it was actually an interesting series, and then it's just turned into a soap opera. And I just keep watching it just out of curiosity to know what's going to happen to all these characters. Um, but it's turned into this like really ludicrous soap opera. I don't do the comics, but every once in a while I get dragged into something like that. I mean, I did watch all of Lost, and I did watch all the Sopranos, even though I thought both of those series petered out an awful lot um, near the end. So it's like, have, have you ever watched Suits? I like Suits. I think it's a very well done series. I gave up in the third season. It just kind of was like more of the same all the time. But I thought the first couple of seasons, the, the interplay between the two main characters is really wonderful. It was lots of fun. And then it just got into all these weird things going on when someone bought the firm and there was this other guy, Lewis, who was really creepy and all these things going on. And so- Now, Lewis is Rick Hoffman, who's a longtime character actor with the most rubbery face you've ever seen. True. It's just, it's just like falling apart. Yeah. And he plays this character called Lewis Litt. He actually, in this most recent season, kind of dominated it. I don't want to get into the complexities. If you don't like the show, we understand it. But I still think it's got some legs left. But a lot of times these things peter out after a couple of years. And where do you take it? I think that happened with Covert Affairs which was about this woman who became a spy for the CIA, and there were all sorts of yeah. series arcs. I thought it was good, but the last season, it was really stretching to keep it going, and they gave it a graceful termination. I only watched the pilot of that, and it didn't grab me enough to want to keep watching. Um, but unfortunately, most TV series peter out or fade away or just drag on forever. Um, I mean, Lost is a good example of something that was three years too long, on the other hand, I thought The West Wing had a good ending. I thought Breaking Bad had an excellent ending, and it was just the right length. So it, it's really tough because they want to have this franchise that's going to continue, but when they make it go on too long, it's just not good anymore. There's so, also this problem here where I think a series of 22 or 23 episodes a year has to last four seasons for syndication. Exactly. And syndication is a very big... Pardon? I I thought they needed 120 episodes for syndication. I think it's less than that now. The key, however, is they've got to have enough episodes for syndication because that's where the real money comes. They can put a lot of money into a series and not make an awful lot back. But once it goes into syndication, it's just getting a check. And some series go on forever in syndication. I mean, Law & Order, any of the Law & Order series... Syndication, they last forever. But hey, it, you know, how much money do you think they've made from the honeymooners over the years? Twilight Zone, things like that. I remember when they used to repeat the TV series Superman from the 50s with the late George Reeves. Sure. They had like 100 episodes. Yeah. And that 100 episodes was repeated for 20, 30 years before yeah. it petered out. Now, of course, you know, you've got newer and newer versions of Superman. So where do you go? Folks, would you like to see a radio show like this where we just talk about pop culture and stuff and entertainment? I don't know. I'm thinking we should do well, something like that. I think it's got to be really targeted. Scott McNulty does a Star Trek podcast. I think he calls it Random Trek, and each episode is a single episode of Star Trek that he looks at. That, so, sir, is illogical because we have to end the show now. Let's end the show now. Kirk, tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff. You can find me at McElhern.com. That's www.McElhern.com. My website is Kirkville, and I write about all sorts of 
Apple-related things, as well as the occasional books and music and theater and all that. And you can find me at Macworld, where I write the Ask the iTunes Guy column every two weeks, and tons of other articles as well. You can find us on Twitter, where we're known as Tech Night Owl. Look for Tech Night Owl on Twitter. You can also join our premium service, plus.technightowl.com, plus.technightowl.com, for a modest monthly, annual, or five-year rate. We give you the ad-free version of the show, higher resolution audio, special package. If you want it, there it is. We give you all the instructions at plus.technightowl.com. We also have another radio show about UFOs and things that go really bump in the night called The Paracast. This week, we're talking about the weird stuff, really weird stuff going on at Skinwalker Ranch with a guy named Ryan Skinner, who's written four books on the subject and has experienced a lot of weird stuff. So we know you won't want to miss that at Paracast.com. That's Paracast.com. And we also added a new domain to reach that place, Paracast, theparacast.rocks. Kirk McElhern, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks for having me again, Gene. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.